the hair dye. Dumb blonde, very artistic. Works its way into the blood through the scalp. Very gradual. Kim department keeps their end up. I'll see it when I believe it. Control? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I have the harbinger on line two. Oh, Christ. Uh, can you take a message? Uh, I don't think so. He's really pushy. Um, to be honest, he's kind of freaking me out. Okay, put him on. Mordecai, baby, what's happening? How's the weather up top? The lambs have passed through the gate. They are come to the killing floor. Well, you're, you're doing a great job out there. By the numbers, man, you gotta start it off just right. So we'll talk to you later, okay? Their blind eyes see nothing of the horrors to come. Their ears are stopped. They are the gods' fools. Well, that's how it works. Cleanse them. Cleanse the world of their ignorance and sin. Bathe them in the crimson of... Am I on speakerphone? No, absolutely not. Speakerphone, no. No, I wouldn't do that. Yes, I am. I, I can hear the echo. Oh, my God. You, uh, you're right. Hang on one second. I'll take you off. That's rude. I, I don't know who's in the room. Fine. There. You're off. Thank you. Don't take this lightly, boy. It wasn't all by your numbers. The fool nearly derailed the invocation with his insolence. The ancient ones see everything, and they will not be... I'm still on speakerphone, aren't I? <laughs> oh my god, Mordecai! I can't believe it, it did it again. What happened to Abs in a six-pack. Abs in a six-pack. Hello, abs in a six-pack. Abs in a six-pack is not the greatest podcast in the world. I know, abs in a six-pack is a bad show, but what else do you have going on? Right now, there are 131 active deep underground military bases in the United States. There's 1,477 of them worldwide. Each one has an average cost of 17 to 19 billion dollars. Each one is uh, built in the site. Uh, oh, it used to be, take a year to two years to build each one, and now they're capable of building a couple of them a year uh, with sophisticated methods. My colleague uh, Al Felix has actually been on some of the high-speed railways. Uh, the magneto-leviton trains that connect all the deep underground military bases within the United States. He's been on a Mach 2 train and floats off a, floats off a single rail at a, a three-quarters of an inch off a rail and is uh, what you call high-tech. We have nothing like this on the surface. Green Lake is where the infamous Area 51, S4, S2, a CIA base, uh, uh, it was originally a bombing range, a nuclear test site. Uh, it was later become the most secret base in the United States. Uh, it employs over 18,000 workers who work in shifts of 12 hours at a whack. Most of them work in the cover of darkness, like us. We built out nine underground military bases there, each with an average uh, uh, capacity capable was basically a city underground, roughly four and a quarter cubic miles hollowed out underground. They have boring machines, for instance. They don't bore. They literally vitrify and melt the rock, deflagrate the rock. It's a very sophisticated laser. 
uh, melting and deflagrating system. It reduces the rock to a powder and then melts the, the remaining rock as a coating on the inside of the base so you don't have to use gunite, cements, and other kinds of things like that. That's all the old hat now. Uh, technology is just basically the new technology we get is the old hat of the military. Anyway, after we drilled all four holes, it's about a, two days to drill all four of them. And when you build an underground base, you drill four basic holes, and you build you call stokes or cross-member holes across, and you bla use blasting equipment, and special blasting equipment by the analyzation of the rock formation, and you literally blast out or tunnel out uh, or deflagrate or melt rock out to build the large rooms that are required for this underground base. I was involved in building another base onto in inside of Belsay, New Mexico, which is Los Alamos Laboratory. It's a biological laboratory. On the southwest part of the Archelada Mesa, uh, we built an underground facility, a better part of three cubic miles hollowed out underground. Then to the southwest of that, we built, we were, we were in the process of the early stages of building, we drilled four large uh, tunnel-like holes. Some of them ran two and a half miles under the surface. Uh, number the early, at that time, number of the original uh, uh, wells or uh, drilling uh, machines that were used were, were uh, uh, at the rate of uh, two miles a day. Area 51 is only one base, one of the 131 bases. Of these 131 bases, I call Area 51 a mega base. It's got more than one base. It's Tonopah Test Range, Area 51, S2, S4, Groom Lake, and a host of others. Now, these mega bases are gobbling up our gross national product. Right now we're spending 28% of the gross national product on building underground bases sold. That doesn't count for the defense budget. That doesn't count for the spare parts budget. It doesn't count for any of that at all. And the black budget is dead, dead wrong. It sidesteps the United States Congress and its constitution of its people and says, you're a bunch of morons, you don't need to know. Well, a need-to-know basis is an executive order written during the Eisenhower era right after the created 1954 treaty and is treasonous and illegal in this country and should be overturned and abolished. All this alien thing is fine, except for one thing. Alien takeover is a serious threat. Kept totally out of the public view, off the surface, I'm sure the underground bases, without question, are being used as a form, a place to house alien takeover. Alien takeover means the implementation of a one-world government. It's February 8th, 2023, here with Mr. Metis, and it's a new live son of a bitch. This is a new live son of a bitch. Is that something we should be concerned with? Hi. Holy shit, is that Sullivan? Sully? 
Bro, no way! No way, Sully. Babe, I gotta say what up to Sullivan. Oh no, my eyes are turning bloodshot. I'm going on a trip. I look like I'm doped out of my gourd. <laughs> Too high to drive. Unbelievable. What? What? What is all this stuff? <laughs> what you doing over there? I'll tell you this. This is not going to be boring, boys and girls. <laughs> this is not going to be a time uh, to be sitting there thinking, man, a lot of stuff's not going on. From here on out, it is just going to get insane. I believe that the federal government should give people cocaine with marijuana. Unbelievable. Smoking weed, drinking vodka. Whoa, that was the that was longer than I expected it to be. That's gonna need that to be was edited. A, That's gonna need to be really trimmed. long. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's gotta end at some point. Nope. I almost thought about going to get me some chips. Yo, I'm gonna score me a bag of Doritos. But I wasn't sure. That's I was going fantastic. A bag of Doritos. It's going. I feel. I feel. Uh, I've got a little bit of a little bit of a cold. Um. So you know, I'm sounding sounding a little congested. Forgive me. Um. But yeah, things are going pretty good. Pretty That's, good. I could, I wouldn't even be able to tell if you hadn't told me. Oh, okay. That's my that's my uh, roadcaster doing the work. Oh, nice. Putting in the hours. <laughs> How many miles do you have on that thing? Good God, I don't know. It. I I did the um the the cardinal sin of going on a show. I updated my firmware on my uh, audio interface right before the call. Oh. oh. Yeah, so yeah. it was like, hey, we we got an update for you. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's do the update. Let's get some new features. And then, oh, crap, I shouldn't have done that. Microsoft always seems to want to update on a Wednesday, but maybe that's just because I haven't, I don't get on my laptop until that day. I've been, <laughs> I've been putting, I've been putting it off. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll make it through the show without a forced update. I think we'll be fine. Um, I did want to get to a listener email, which okay. I don't have a jingle for, but um I probably should have read this a while ago, but I, I haven't been I checking my email emails. either. Got to got email. Emails. Yeah. Um, I hope every week I check with the email. Every week I hope it's from a female. Yeah. It's not from a female. This is from Drew. It says, Happy New Year. I've been listening to a couple of your recent podcasts and wanted to reach out about the Montauk and Plum Island. Or about Montauk and Plum Island. I grew up about 30 miles from both places. The guests on your China podcast got Plum Island a little off. It's between Long Island and Connecticut. And it's been decommissioned. That is also your best bet where Lyme disease was created. I'm going to say yes, probably. Uh, I hiked through Camp Hero many times out to the lighthouse right past the big antenna. I wish I had some good stories, but it was pretty uneventful except for pretty scenery. My buddies growing up camped out there to go surfing and claim they saw some shit. But I don't know if they were just goofing around. Thanks for the great content, Drew. I I editorialized. He said thanks for the content. I added the great. Yeah, the great. Yeah, yeah, you gotta. You gotta. <laughs> when I'm when I'm talking to somebody on a podcast, I just assume that ninety five percent of what they're saying is true. You understand? understand? There's that little five percent. The five percent is where I like to live. Right. That's, kind of, that's my it's, flavor. Uh, that's the bread and butter of uh, good storytelling. Is the five percent? Yeah, that five that five percent is close. Like I had a zero behind that, so it's ninety five percent true and fifty percent <laughs> made up. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You 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 break math to make the stories better. That's the that's the goal of a good storytelling. <laughs> yes. Um. Well, 
Well, thank you, thank you, everybody, for tuning Come in. Come on in, my friends. Uh, I'm. I think I want to talk starting off about deep underground military bases. But I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say, where are we starting? I want to talk about the deep underground military bases, or DUMS for short, mainly because that's the best acronym ever. It is. It's a good one. When you sent me the message, I was like, DUMS. Okay, what did I miss? I missed something, and then. Um, and then, like, right as I realized, oh, the deep under, because you were talking about the movie uh, that you played the clip from at the beginning, Cabin in the Woods. And I put that together uh, because, spoiler alert, there's a dumb in that movie. Yeah. And, uh, they don't really tell you how far down it goes, but it seems to be pretty deep. Right. At, at least 30 feet underground. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I think more than that, but I don't know. They didn't get, I didn't get a ruler out. Uh, right. But and without, it wasn't in the <clears throat> DVD commentary. So. Oh, did you watch the D are you one of those guys that watches the DVD commentary? I have watched DVD commentary on maybe three things um ever, but I always always like I've, I I've watched to? more than that. I've watched more oh, really? DVD commentary. Really? The first DVD commentary I watched was Tropic Thunder because there's that scene where Robert Downey Jr. They're like if he's like, This motherfucker's dead and Robert Downey Jr. is like in blackface and there's like, Oh yeah, then if he's dead and this and this is real, why are you still in character? And he looks at me and goes I don't drop character till I've done the DVD commentary. And so then I, right. I put on the DVD commentary and sure enough, Robert Downey Jr. is still talking black throughout the movie until his character <laughs> isn't black anymore. And then he starts talking Australian and all that. Incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, dumbs. 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 So I, I did, I pulled a little bit of stuff. It's the thing about deep underground military bases is because is most of them, like all the cool ones, we don't really know about them. I would imagine. I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. You see, see what I did there? Um, yeah. I did. And uh, I was just on 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 my phone at work, uh, listening listening to different things, and there was a uh, a documentary from like the Cold War era about them building an underground base up in Greenland called Camp Sentry. And it was uh, it was fascinating to how they built this in the ice. Uh, it didn't have anything to do with the thing we're talking about tonight, but it you know I listened to it for like an hour, and it had that old nineteen fifties way of speaking that's really hard to imitate. Oh yeah, <laughs> like the the old radio voice. And here we are yeah. digging the trenches to yeah. put the nuclear power plant in there. You know, it's it's tough to do. Um, yeah. But but it was fascinating how. They were 150 miles from anything, and they dug all these trenches and installed a nuclear reactor, and they had to like sled everything in at two miles an hour to get all the stuff out there because they couldn't chance, you know, dropping the the nuclear fuel. So they had to go real slow. <laughs> so it this, took like three, four days for them to get out to the site. Jesus, yeah. Now, what happens if um, it's not a good plan? If it's all built in ice, what happens if global warming turns out to be real? That I researched after the documentary. I went to uh, went and looked, and there was um, shifting. Like they dug, they dug these trenches out and put in buildings inside the trenches, essentially with lots of uh, air gaps around it, so the heat, uh, the, the the walls wouldn't make the mess with the heat too much, and the heat wouldn't mess with the walls too much. But over the course of like five years, the tunnels like were shifting down to the left, right into the left, whatever direction you know nature took them but they they did sink up to like 10 feet over time so they they abandoned the base they were doing research and 
figuring out how they could install nuclear weapons uh, deep in the ice in order to have like, you know, nuclear arsenal in the Arctic and, and all that good stuff. It doesn't seem like the most practical way to go, but um, I, I guess what if, what I would do, this is how I would play it. I would have a underground base. If I was building in the ice, I would have a contingency plan where it would also double as a, a, um, a submarine or some kind of boat. That way, when the ice, if and when the ice melts, you can just drive it on out of there. Well, there's uh, land under the ice. Oh, where well, they were. Then I would give it robot legs. Um, yeah, yeah, just just some big old robot legs. You've already got the nuclear reactor there, so that would power the huge spider beast. Um, yeah, no, I, this all checks out. The math. They, I mean, all they checks did it in the 1800s with Will Smith and that other guy. Yes, yeah, Will Smith and Kevin Klein did this in the 1800s. It's well documented. Uh, in the great documentary of Wild Wild West. Um, That's your name, isn't it? Kevin Klein. It's written all over your underwear. <laughs> was that? No, it was Calvin Klein. Well, I think that was, um, uh, I, I had, Oh, what did you think of that AI art of the underground base? I thought that was kind of cool. The AI art on the show art for tonight. Oh, I, I haven't seen the show art it's for kinda tonight. Neat. It's kind of neat. I apologize. So, no, it's okay. <laughs> I didn't make it. A computer <laughs> did. So I'm not a fan I'm, I'm staring uh, at a chat room and a clean feed uh, screen. That's uh, all I got in front of me. Here you go. But um, yeah, I don't. I, the AI, the AR, it's been fun. Um, I finally had figured out how to make it do boobs too. Uh, nice. But yeah, it took a while. It took a lot of trial and error, but I can make it do boobs now. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw this. That lo- that looks like a big boob with an any nipple. Yeah. A big crusty boob where the areola is super crusty and misshapen. Or just an eyeball. Oh, yeah, I, I guess. Or a circle. Uh, <laughs> it could be a nuclear uh, missile silo. We don't know. But uh, I, I did pull some clips. This is not a deep underground military base. This is a deep underground base, I guess you would call it. Have you ever seen the one of the um, most cringe, and sci-fi has done some cringe stuff, but this, this kind of takes the cake, is uh, the show Joe Rogan Questions Everything, from like 10 years ago or so. I recall it being a thing. There's this episode where they're like talking about what's going to happen if there's a worldwide pandemic and Duncan trust Joe sends Duncan trust all out to this uh, repurposed deep underground military base that uh-huh. now is uh, basically privately owned and they're renting out spaces in an underground RV park and Duncan Trussell's going out there and he's like, Hey man, what? like if you know how Duncan talks, he's like, Hey man, what's oh, this place is creepy, man. I can't believe I'm smoking so much weed. I can't believe what's going on here, man. What is this? Why is the sci-fi channel paying me to do this? Well, listen, man, I'm going to talk to Rob Carlson. He's a PhD from Princeton and a bio entrepreneur. And he apparently is going to reassure me Mm. that this is not something to be concerned with and that what they're doing is they're trying to create beneficial things. Mm. They're not trying to ruin the world. Right. And what you're going to do is you're going to go to a shelter in Kansas where people are preparing for some sort of bio-apocalypse. And they have set up this refuge. Is this an above-ground place? Oh, no, no, no. You're going to go deep into the center of the earth. Really? Yeah. You're going to talk to a PhD from Princeton, and you're sending me to an underground cave? Listen, dude, you're going to go to Kansas. You're going to have a good time. And that is the last thing he ever heard. (laughs) I don't know what Duncan is so worried about. I'm sending him to a safe haven. A shelter. I'm the one who has to go to a shady laboratory filled with viruses and bacteria. But the only way to find out what's really going on is if I go look myself. 
the most frustrating thing about shows like this, it's the same problem I have with anything that like sci-fi or Nat Geo or all these people do, um, like History Channel. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jesse Ventura's uh, conspiracy theory show on True TV was the same way. It's right. like 40% of the episode is filler repeats where it's like coming up and then they show you what's coming up. Mm-hmm. And then when the commercial comes back, it's like coming up again. And then when it actually comes up to what's coming up, you maybe get an extra 15 sentence or 15 seconds like, of content before the commercial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like once you actually see like they did, there, nothing really gets added except maybe 15 seconds of dialogue. And then it's like half the show is coming up or here's what we're going to do next. And they, you see the exact same clips by the end of the episode, probably 20 times. It's no, very, that's how you stretch out a 22 minute show and you can literally just have four minutes of content yeah, and exactly, have a 22 minute show it's exactly maybe i could learn something from them i don't know but uh, it's it's really it just blows my mind that that people can sit through and watch stuff like that that um like the ghost hunter show remember that where the guys like pee their pants and run around like did you hear something <laughs> no, like, oh, 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 what was that <laughs> what was that it's like coming up and then dude, it shows dude it's coming up um, did they find something? It's like, well, what was, are the Bigfoot hunting shows too? What was that? And then like once the commercial break is over and then you see the exact same clip and it's just them still going like, well, what was that? It's like, well, they never, uh, I, I thought a, I heard something. A, oh, it's a squirrel. I thought I heard you hear something. <laughs> did I hear you hear something? Were you hearing me hear you hear something? Oh, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll continue with this because what I find interesting about this is if the if civilians can get these huge, um, deep underground bases in the sides of mountains and stuff, like what is the and and we know of all the other bases that are non-civilian, um, like uh, I think there's one in Cheyenne and uh, obviously yeah. Colorado's got a bunch of them. It's like, what are the ones we don't know about are the ones I'm curious about. Between new emerging diseases and mankind's manipulation of viruses, our world might be headed for a biopocalypse. I just hope that Duncan's found a nice safe spot for us to ride out the viral winter if a biopocalypse does occur. I'm in the middle of Kansas driving to one of the largest bomb shelters in America. Vivos. This used to be a storage facility for the United States military, but it has now been converted into a place that can withstand a biopocalypse or any other gigantic catastrophe. Hello? Oh, no one's here. Great. I don't feel safe. Hello? <laughs> what you I'm doing dying! Over there? <laughs> this is what happens if you're friends with Joe Rogan. What a wonderful place to spend the end of the world. Thanks, Joe. On the other hand, I know where I can come if the hits the fan. They like staged this whole scene where he's out there honking his horn and can't get in the gate. But then they just the, all of a sudden the gate opens and it's like, it's just so. It's, it's the artificial drama. Yeah. Just like do, ah! do something interesting enough or entertaining enough to be entertaining. You only have to fill four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> These episodes are 45 minutes. Um, oh, like, oh, eight minutes. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Duncan. Hi. Duncan, Robert Ficino, welcome to Vivos. Thanks. What is this place? <laughs> Thanks. Oh, it's that guy's the a world's <laughs> largest private shelter. It's carved under a limestone mountain in the late 1880s. So this thing has already been here 120 years, withstanding the test of time. Wow. And now it's here for what reason? We're converting it to a private shelter for our members, that they may come here 
at the moment of truth, be that a viral pandemic or nuclear or whatever it is, we'll survive underground here for a minimum of one year without having to return to the surface. Because the you have a year's worth of food here. Years worth of freeze-dried meats. We have a hydroponics area. This is another area for aquaponics. And then we have food storage here. So, so this is completely self-sustaining. Yeah, this facility could continue on indefinitely. We have a nuclear blast-proof door that'll withstand a 20 megaton blast. 20 megaton. What about germs? What about viruses? Right behind that door, we have another set of doors that are airtight, pressure tight, and watertight. Nothing gets in. In fact, no water. For we could be submerged under several hundred feet of water, and it won't come in. But this doesn't look to me like a regular bomb shelter. Here, you've got a wine bar, hot tubs. You have hot tubs in this bomb shelter. We are trying to make it as comfortable as possible. Where, what are they going to do with the poop? There's poop systems. Oh. There's poop systems. Uh, There's a name for that. I can't remember. It's called putting it over in the corner, which is apparently what they did in that up in Greenland at the Camp Century. They just and they the just left in. it all there. God. And in 2090, estimated, the nuclear waste and poop waste will be released because of the shifting of the ice. Because poop Greenland. is funny. Poop, poop is funny. I, uh, I'm just, I guess I'm just, um, plumbing, by the way, I think was the word we were looking for. Oh, yeah. Forgot about plumbing. Yeah. And that be the wonderful world of bile. But I, I, like, I guess if you're pumping water in from a hot tub, you'd have a way to pump poop water out. I'm sure that they have poop contingencies. Or they have the Bill Gates, um, water filter that lets you drink poop water. Poop water. water. Yeah. Poop water. Don't you have a clip of that? Do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I do have that. Um, but it was all all poop water. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh, so I guess yeah, I guess there's multiple ways you could do it. But it, but um, man, yeah, I was I re, I watched this whole episode today, and you're not exaggerating that it's a 45 minute show with eight minutes of content. Um, it's ridiculous, it's and the the cooking shows are really really bad at it. like um <laughs> the chopped oh, and the shows along those lines where it's a competition. Ugh. Um. They they spend so much time of the judges talking, just telling you what you're seeing. It's like, let me just watch the people run around and chop things up and burn things. Like, I don't need commentary from the... And then and how many shows do they have where, like, British people baking things? I think there's, like, 10 spinoff shows of that. Someone I was talking to said, if you listen to the people when they're describing the food, but think of it in an innuendo-y way... Uh, it, there's lots of lots of gold there. Uh, I can't remember specific examples, but Martha Stewart would always talking about beating your meat, and right? Right, like and uh, you know, butter it up, and, and there's, there's all kinds of good stuff in there. Uh, you just have to you have to have a a mind in the gutter, yeah. as they say, <laughs> or mind in the poop water. In the poop water. I got. I got. I was one talking more. to. Oh, one more. Go for it. I was going to say. I just have a little bonus clip here from that sci-fi episode. Where is Rogan? Why do I get sent to these kinds of things? Hello? This is the kind of place where satanic children drag you into the corn and sacrifice you to ancient gods. I'm dying! I'm more of a beach guy. He's more of a beach guy. Yeah. I, I um, well, yeah, that was a little foreshadowing. We'll get, anyways, go ahead. <laughs> Talking about poop. Uh, how many, there's like, what, 8 billion people now? Something like that. I mean, if you believe the numbers, if I was the elites and I was right. trying to get it, the population down to 500 million, I'd just like have killed everybody about 500 million and then just made them believe there was 8 billion of them left. 
That's that is uh that's a good plan. Well, yeah, that's a hold on. I'm writing that down. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, the poop. If the numbers are to be believed about how many people are on the planet, uh, and and let's say everybody poops a tenth of a pound a day on average, right? Which I'm sure it's more than that. A uh, tenth of a pound a day. You're looking at 700 or 800 million pounds of poop created a day, every single day. That's an astronomical amount of poop. Where, where's that poop going? Um, Decommissioned underground bases? Does that mean, does the, is the implication then that they have a whole civilization of people and or creatures that eat poop? Eat, uh, build, build things out of, um, farm in, uh, and, and use, like, I mean, you can make furniture out of poop if you got something to put it in. You know, um, but I think maybe, maybe wherever they're storing the poop might be, you know, getting to the point of overflowing because of the amount of people that we have now <laughs> and the whole COVID, uh, getting rid of people's sense of smell or dulling their sense of smell is part of the plan so that we'll accept the, the overflowing poop mountains more willingly if we don't have to smell them. Uh, I mean, all this is plausible, but who's paying for it? <laughs> We are a friend with, with a little thing called taxes. Oh. <laughs> that was a, that's uh, a, I was going for a fart noise. Oh, <laughs> hey, that, I've, I've, um, yeah, that, that noise has been made before. <laughs> um, These sounds that he's making are really fun. <laughs> uh, okay, I got, um, I got a little bit more on, like, uh, Cheyenne Mountain in Col- in uh, Colorado. Do you want to hear a little bit about that? Yeah, that's where the Stargate is. Nine o'clock in the news. show Stargate. Is that the is that the one with Kurt Russell? Uh, no, the the show with oh. uh, MacGyver. I don't know if I ever saw the show. Is the it show the same Stargate. Universe? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it was like a weekly um, sci fi show, and it was kind of like um, they'd just go through the Stargate to a different civilization, but like apparently they only had like one set or one area that they would film in and they would just change a, a little bit like what the rock that they came out of the Stargate nearby looked like. And like the town would look a little different, but like, if you look, the Hills in the background are all exactly the same every episode. <laughs> so they're shooting in the same empty field, every single episode for the different planets. I was thinking of that one with the guy with face man from the A-Team show, um, battle Stargate Lactica, I think. Like La- lactation. Driving south to Colorado Springs, it looms in the distance. One of the most famous military bases in the Local world, news in their mono Cheyenne Mountain. Me. One mile inside the granite, 2,000 feet down from the top, it is a giant command and control center that has kept America safe for 50 years. Inside the mountain are 15 two- and three-story buildings. They are freestanding but connected by hallways and ramps. There is also a service area to keep the complex running and even reservoirs, yes, underground lakes. You get inside by driving through a two-mile tunnel, and when you get to the middle, you see the doors, the two famous blast doors that have kept the facility safe when they're closed. So we get to see on the, if if you happen to be seeing the visual um, counterparts of this video, we get to see entire blueprints of exactly, I mean, obviously it cuts off and we don't see what's, at the end of these tunnels, but we get to see blueprints of the majority of what supposedly this base has to offer. Um, but obviously if they, all the cool shit, they're not going to show us, I guess is my point. So like, have you heard stories, any of the wackadoo stories from people that supposedly worked in like the area 51 or 
A25 or any of these underground? There's one where this guy, and he, he, he did the whole speaking circuit on all of the UFO uh, conventions and, and all that stuff where he went down into an underground base and there was these, uh, it was like an inner earth sort of situation. They had these uh, really tall aliens and he got into some kind of battle with them and like lost a couple of his fingers. Whoa. And I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, but it was a very interesting talk and it didn't sound very true the way he was speaking. <laughs> yeah. It sounded, sounded very 40% true. Like he went down into a base. That was the true part. And then the rest, the other 60%, it, some people just aren't good liars, I guess. Um, and, and this guy, he didn't, I did, it just didn't ring true to me when you as go down much and- as, uh, I wanted to believe it. And you go down in, into a deep underground military base and you accidentally lose some fingers in a tragic hot dog eating contest accident. And you exactly. have to, you would, wouldn't want to tell that story. You'd have to embellish a little bit. I, or mean, a hot, I guess not relish even. if it was a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> might, might not even be as good as a hot dog. Might have just, you know. He, had, he stuck his finger in the wrong spot in the elevator because, you know, the elevator shafts for those things are all like rickety metal uh, or so mm. popular television shows would have me believe. Um, maybe he just like put his hand somewhere it wasn't supposed to be. Yeah, that's a good point. You know? It's true. <laughs> not even not even as exciting as a hot dog eating contest. <laughs> I just got so, so to... hungry. <laughs> I was eating so fast. <laughs> I wasn't watching my mouth to finger distance. Um, but I had to win, so I just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> Do those um, count? Do those count? I got more on, on on dumbs, but I think we can come back to it unless you had anything else. Because I want to talk about human sacrifice, like as a um, as a proposal, like something we're thinking about, or a, um, a proposed just a, in general. Well, I, ah. I I I watched Cabin in the Woods for the first time since it came out when I was in high school in 2012, and I watched I watched it, and it got my brain kind of churning. Well, let's talk about that movie for a second. Okay. What did you What did you think? I mean, there's obviously I, the meta satire nature of it, right? And all the throwbacks to other horror genres or horror uh, horror films. Um, of course, there's all the the monsters in it from different things. Uh, they're like slight ripoffs of the other things, you know, <laughs> yeah, like uh, the, the copyright safe version of um, <laughs> Pinhead, the Wish version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Wish version of Hellraiser guy. What's his name? Uh, Pinhead. I can't really, I forgot Pinhead's name for a second there. Um, yeah, no, I, I like the, I like just how it was made and produced. It was a fun movie. But the ancient gods that are overseeing the whole thing and get pissed off if it doesn't go the way it's supposed to, um, I've always seen that as like, that's us, the the moviegoer. The audience, right. Yeah, the audience that, yeah. Um, and From we're pissed lens, off because it didn't like a, go the way it was supposed to. Yes, and then from that lens, it's like a fuck you to the horror movie audience because, like Sigourney Weaver, in that literally plays the director. She's credited as a director. You have like the the guys in the control room making everything happen, whether it's the special effects or the writing or you know whatever. And uh, yeah, basically the way I, from that meta lens, I look at it as a fuck you to the horror movie audience. It's like stop making these movies so popular. You're the reason we keep having to make these like bloodlust, uh, sexually deviant movies. The, the same plot over, over and, over. and over. You know what's going to happen. Because, yeah. I mean, in that movie, you knew if they pick up the ballerina box or the, what's it called, music box, uh, the ballerina, you know, teeth-faced girl is going to 
attack them. If they pick up the the hillbilly thing, it's going to be the hillbillies. You know, there's all those. Uh, you you know what's going to happen next. Yeah, and uh, I think it was still going to be cooler with the merman. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I like the design of the merman in that movie. Yeah, just the geyser of blood coming out of his back. <laughs> um, but yeah, like so it's a that, well made movie. Yeah, that that lens. Um, I think is definitely what they were going for. But what made it more interesting to me was the idea of if we know human sacrifice has existed throughout all of recorded history and a, it would be naive to think it doesn't happen now. And B, if it did happen now and it was government sanctioned or some black op, uh, dark money sanctioning, what would the modern version of it look like? And I think it would, I mean, it'd be something like that. And the people doing it as their job would probably get like a sick sense of like they would just become so numb to it where they would be making jokes yeah. and placing bets and playing 80s music while they watched, you know, some girl get ripped apart. Yeah, because they've seen it a hundred times. Exactly. You know, it's just like it's Monday to them. Um yep. and they know it has to be done. In the movie, you know, it has to be done, or this ancient god's gonna come destroy the planet or whatever the consequence is. That's kind of what they made you believe um at the end of the movie. But yeah, I've always had an open mind about the idea of maybe there are deep, dark forces at work on the planet that have to be appeased somehow. Uh, Cause you know, we can't fight them. Um, <laughs> right. And, and if so, uh, yeah. how would that look uh, today? Right. Um, There's that line, even in the cabin in the woods where he's like, you remember the good old days where you can just throw a girl in a volcano. It's like, how old yeah, those are the easy days. How old do you You're think I like, am? Oh, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah uh, I don't. I don't know if it would because, like, you you get to be like, oh, uh, the death penalty. That's a that's a way to do it, um, but that's kind of been abolished a whole lot of places. Um, but there's, I, I don't know. I don't know what it would look like today, other than maybe um, creating some sort of uh, virus in a lab. Um, yeah, just some unnamed virus and sending it around, and then and then uh, creating. I don't know, something to fight the virus that also causes problems. Um, it could look like something like that. Yeah. Perhaps. Maybe. And then we um, know like Bohemian Grove and stuff, the cremation and care they do. It's a mock sacrifice, supposedly not a real human, but uh, there seems to be like in a lot of elite circles still a fascination with these old ancient Babylonian and uh, gods like that. Yeah. And then there's, uh, you know, not thinking about, I mean, thinking about like uh, Canada, for example, I've seen stories I don't know how widespread this is because you know how things get sensationalized, but the, uh, being able to take yourself out, you know, medically and legally. And they're just like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm poor and I'm never going to not be poor. So I'd just rather be dead. Uh, and they kind of, they kind of encourage that. Yeah. They're kind of advertising. (laughs) They're advertising. You see it like you're watching TV and you can see like a Zoloft commercial. And then right after that, it's like, um, you having a bad week? Why don't you just consider it euthanasia? <laughs> Kill yourself, uh, retard. Pretty much. Yeah. That's but, yeah. That's that's what I the the vibe I'm getting from it. Um, but there's that old saying, you know, if uh, if they're dumb enough to let us kill them, they don't deserve to live. You know. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I feel like that that might be the mentality of some people. <laughs> well, let's uh, we'll circle back to that. Let me give you a backgrounder on the Aztecs. I believe this one is uh, narrated by our good buddy, Bill Shatner. Approximately 30 miles northeast of Mexico City lies the Highlands Plateau, known as the Valley of Mexico. 
During the 15th century, the Aztec Empire ruled over this region in central Mexico. But not far from their capital city, the Aztecs discovered the ruins of an even bigger metropolis that was built centuries earlier by an unknown civilization that vanished without a trace. The Aztecs would name this mysterious city Teotihuacan. The Aztecs arrived at this site in the 1400s, which was already ruined. And it fascinated them because obviously they did not know who had constructed it. And they called it Teotihuacan, which means the place of the gods. The scale of Teotihuacan, it's mind-boggling. That's what really takes everybody back. We're talking about the largest city in the center of the Mesoamerican ancient world. It's a great place, an incredible place. All told, Teotihuacan covers an astonishing eight square miles, which is roughly the same size as ancient Rome. At the heart of the city is a two-mile-long road that the Aztecs named the Avenue of the Dead. It is dominated by three giant pyramids dedicated to the sun, the moon, and a legendary feathered serpent known as Quetzalcoatl. According to archaeologists, the urban planning of Teotihuacan was centuries ahead of its time. So Quetzalcoatl, Quetzalcoatl or whatever, the big sky serpent, the feathers, like big snake bird in the sky. Apparently, allegedly, the Aztecs by the thousands would all take uh, magic mushrooms and all collectively see the sky serpent and open a stargate type gate for it to come in through the combination of mushrooms and uh, just chopping a bunch of people's hearts out. Neat. I know. <laughs> so, but <laughs> quick like, to The first time I heard that was final fantasy. Is that the one with goofy and Mickey mouse? Uh, no, that is um, super Mario brothers. No, I was thinking of, uh, God, what the fuck is the name of that? Yeah, thing? Kingdom Hearts. I know. Kingdom I was Hearts, yeah. <laughs> crack, cracking, cracking a bad joke. Cracking wise. As I do. <laughs> uh, so here's kind of what the Aztec sacrifices would have been like. One particularly gruesome ritual would see prisoners of war dressed up to look like various gods who would then be sacrificed, have their hearts cut out, and their skin flayed from their dead bodies. Now, okay, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but if I was an ancient god demanding sacrifice. I wouldn't want the person you were sacrificing dressed up as me. <laughs> I would. <laughs> that just makes no sense. Like that, because then like it's the implication seems like they're sacrificing me. You know, dress like, up. Shave his, shave his head. Uh, give him a, give him a gray beard. Uh, that's kind of patchy in places and um, some good glasses. That's how I want. That's all I want people sacrificed to me. <laughs> <laughs> just dress everybody up. Like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't the logic doesn't track for me, but apparently that's what they did. One particularly gruesome ritual would see prisoners of war dressed up to look like various gods who would then be sacrificed, have their hearts cut out, and their skin flayed from their dead bodies. Their skins would then be worn by the priest as a costume to represent the deity. The festival being held determined how the sacrificial ceremony was carried out, as the Aztecs were a complicated people with an advanced social culture. A common thread throughout these sacrifices was that the heart of the victim would be cut out and a still pulsating organ would be held up high for all to see. Kalima! Kalima! So in the chat, yeah, 
Kali, how do you spell that? Kalima, anybody in the chat? Kalima, Kalima. But um, I didn't realize that a heart could still be beating once it's been ripped out of somebody's chest. But it turns out they had a coroner on the History Channel, and that totally can happen, apparently. This is a rendering of a human sacrifice being conducted by a 15th century Aztec priest. And if you're wondering whether the heart was still beating when they yanked it out of the victim's chest, the answer is yes. <laughs> I pledge before my heavenly father that I, 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 that I will resist them every way I can. These people are the literal demon spawn of the pit of hell. So you can't, a heart can still beat after you rip it out. I didn't realize this. That, okay. I wouldn't want to be the victim of a priest who is just learning how to do this because <laughs> this guy's <laughs> this coroner history channel brought in has a real controversial take here he's like well i wouldn't want it to happen to me <laughs> good god i wouldn't want to be the victim of a priest who is just learning how to do this because i'm sure it took an awful long time for that person to die but once the priest got pretty good i imagine they probably went in and got the heart out in 30 seconds aztec culture involved human sacrifice Evidence indicates the Aztecs may have been murdering as many as 20,000 victims a year. I think the Aztecs had a terrific understanding of human anatomy. When they decided to sacrifice their victims, they knew it was going to be a lot easier to get into the chest cavity by making a hole in the abdominal wall and getting at the heart than trying to get through the breastplate, the sternum, and the ribs, which were very difficult to saw through. The victims were held down by four people, and the priest would take a knife, while the victim was still alive, plunge it right into the abdomen, rip open the abdomen with the knife. They made a hole big enough to get their arm in, put their arm in, pierce through the diaphragm, pushing their hand up into the chest. And the heart is the only thing in the chest that's going to be going like this, you know, and beating. It feels different than the surrounding tissue. The average adult human's heart is around the size of a small grapefruit and pretty much weighs around the same and has that kind of feel in your hand. So the priest would reach around until he felt the beating heart, grab onto it, around. and then just pull for all he was worth until he yanked it off its attachments. I have no doubt that the victim felt the priest's hands in his abdomen and the hand ripping through the diaphragm, which was, I am sure, exquisitely painful. And I have no doubt that the victim felt his heart being ripped from its attachments. But at that time, the victim would lose consciousness. The reason is, as the heart was being compromised, blood flow to the brain would stop. The brain just doesn't have the capacity to maintain consciousness without that blood flow. Most people think that if you pulled somebody's heart out of their body, that it wouldn't still be beating, but in fact, it absolutely would. The heart has what's called inherent rhythmicity, meaning that the muscle cells of the heart beat on their own and don't require input from the brain to beat. So if you get a heart out of a human body quickly enough, say within a few seconds, it absolutely will still be beating when you're holding it. What do you think about that? And the beat goes on. Turns out, turns out, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom wasn't wasn't bullshit after all. I never thought it was. Oh yeah, I thought it was a documentary. 
So, <laughs> so he's when he's saying Kali Ma or whatever in the in the in the movie, the guy that pulls is pulling the hearts out. He's talking about right. Kali. The, the Net Net put in the chat the link to Kali. It's like a Hindu god. Oh, yeah. But I thought was that like in India was uh, the Temple of Doom. It's been a while. It's been at least like twenty five years since I've seen that movie. At, at the very least. So there, there's no telling. I remember a scene with a bridge that got cut and they were like climbing up it and getting a whole bunch of arrows shot at them and nobody could hit them, even though they were moving extremely slowly. Uh, there's the one where they have to eat the, that's the one where they eat the brains out of the monkeys. Yeah. And also like it was snakes in the first movie. It was rats in the third movie in the last crusade. But the gross one, the only one that was actually freaky was the temple of doom. Cause there was a shit ton of giant bugs all over. Yeah. Yeah, snakes, snakes and rats don't bother me. Yeah, but the bugs, uh, that's where I draw the line. Bugs are gross. Fuck bugs. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> so talking about the ripping the heart out, right? Yeah. And there he's talking about, oh, it was exquisitely painful and all that. Well, it's well known that they were on, they had lots of drugs, right? Uh, mushrooms and other other things that well, they uh, did. Uh, don't ask me and, how I know this, but I, I think mushrooms kind of heighten your senses and it would be doubly painful. Right. But... Um, and just where I'm going with this is if your entire culture is built around this being a extremely important part of what happens, um, maybe there was some kind of trance like state, um, or like they, they thought that it was good. No, I'm I'm not really explaining myself. Well, um, it was like harmful. People do harmful things, uh, in, in the name of culture to their bodies and, uh, tradition. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, you know, I'm sure it would be ex- pretty. It would be pretty painful, right? But maybe not that they enjoyed it, but they felt like it was their duty to be the sacrifice. Or do you think that it was always just like they well, grabbed some random person and, and murdered enemies, them? But sometimes, yeah, they like people with so, like they had. Um, Joe Rogan has that bit about it where like the winning team of their their essentially their soccer game or whatever it was would the winning team would be the one that was sacrificed to the gods. And his joke was like, that'd be the longest fucking game ever. Everybody's just like, just <laughs> intentionally trying to lose zero like, to zero for yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 30 years. But no, uh, people, people wanted to like jo- their, their spirits to join and mind meld with Quetzalcoatl, the, sc- the sky serpent. Right. So pe- they were so competing like. to get sacrificed in some cases. And the priests would apparently, they had little like spikes that were attached to tubes and they would stick a spike into, into each of one of their testicles and, and smoke the blood from their testicles to communicate with their ancestors. Huh? So you like smoke bloody sperm and then you, Hmm. and then that apparently lets you communicate with your ancestors. All right. Well, you know what? Um, I've never tried it. Uh, so I can't really say that it doesn't, uh, (laughs) well, (laughs) <laughs> don't knock but I'm, it I'm not saying that the thing didn't hurt, but if they felt like it was a good thing that it was happening and that they were going to somewhere better, you know, that they were going to go merge with Quicksaquaddle, um, maybe that they'd psych themselves into it and it wouldn't be like, it wasn't like the, the scenes from the movies where it's always some captive, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely true. And even without any kind of ritualistic or religious aspect, like the play, like, Pleasure and pain kind of do have a uh, like um, I got a similar um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
I mean, there's a reason like people like get something out of cutting themselves and weird shit like that, or like BDSM. Like, there's all like p- pleasure right. and pain are, are close together. But when it comes to like actually having your heart ripped out, I imagine you'd have to be like on all the morphine in the world to not kind of be freaked out at least halfway through that process. Right. You're like, <laughs> I wonder <laughs> you're halfway through it. You're watching the guy, you know, insert his arm into your abdomen and, and you're like, Hmm, so this hurts a lot more than I thought it was going to. And, <laughs> and what if, what if I was just tripping and there wasn't a quick sequaddle? <laughs> Yeah. Or what? And if, that's when the screaming screaming starts. And what if, or even worse, what if there was a Quetzalcoatl and the whole thing was an elaborate trick to like have your soul captured by him and tormented forever? <laughs> Got him. And you don't realize that till like yeah. But since we were on the Temple of Doom topic, uh, what's that guy? Something something something. Short that, round. <laughs> close. It's the guy for that's he plays Gimli in Lord of the Rings. He's like the guy. Oh, uh, Davies. Yeah. No. Reyes, Reyes, Dave, I don't know. A lost city lies hidden in the emerald jungle of Honduras. The enigmatic carvings of its ancient Maya builders guarded their secrets for a thousand years. We thought they whispered of gentle stargazers. But now the code lies broken, and the hieroglyphs shout tales of bloody wars and human sacrifice. Who were these people, and what disaster drove them from their mighty city? I'm John Rhys-Davis. Join me as we unravel the mystery of Copan, next on Archaeology. John Rhys-Davis. John Rhys-Davis. What the heck's going on around here? Um, yeah, I don't... So this this documentary I watched today, it's pretty good. It's, uh, it's John Rhys-Davis, who is... Um, the guy that says bad dates, remember that? Bad dates. What bad dates? Oh, yeah. in the movie, yeah, in, in the, Indiana uh, Jones, because the dates killed the monkey. Right, right. Yeah, so he kind of leads you through the rituals, the the Mayan rituals, and um, just kind of some of the weird shit they were into. But it's like it's on every continent. It's not just South America, like Africa, um, North and California. South of Asia. Yeah. <laughs> North and South Asia. Well, I mean, um, there's a bunch of ancient sacrifice mounds in like uh, from Wisconsin to Ohio to Canada. Like, oh yeah, the mounds is a very interesting topic. Yeah, and so it is. Well, it's just interesting that every culture throughout time all did human sacrifice, and they all seem to have an emphasis on sacrificing the innocent, whether it was virgins or infants. Yeah, it's that. Uh, what's that stuff called? That the rich people drink. Um, Adrenochrome? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's something to do with that. That's no? also... Maybe? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I yeah. laugh because that whole situation, that whole... The idea of that makes me so sick. Uh, <laughs> I just saw that clip from uh, here in Lolita, Las Vegas, when Johnny Depp's doing a bunch of Adrenochrome. And, like goes crazy I've, in the bed. I barely remember that movie. He's like, as your I've lawyer, I recommend you get the bottle, the brown bottle from my medicine chest and take one drop. He's like, that's pure adrenochrome. It makes it makes the best masculine, masculine seem like ginger beer, is what he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember bits and pieces of it, but it's been a really long time. I like all this Terry Gilliam stuff. But yeah, back to um, John Benet Ramsey, or whatever that guy is. Yeah. Most perplexing of all were the strange, chaotic carvings that adorned the temples. Were they some sort of language? 
But here, as at other Maya ruins, their mystery remained impenetrable. The carvings defied translation just as the pyramids resisted explanation. Stymied scholars resorted to imagination, sketching a picture of the Maya as a peaceful, contemplative people, thriving under the watchful eye of wise astronomer priests. The scholars were wrong, dead wrong. Today's archaeologists working in the jungles of Central America have come to know a quite different Maya. They've cracked their code and the ancient peoples have found their voice again. In the once mighty city of Copan, hieroglyphs speak of war, blood ritual, and human sacrifice. Who then were these people? And what apocalypse brought their great dynasty to its knees? The, um, the amount of, and they, apparently you can still do tours of a lot of these South American um, sacrificial sites. And it's so, like, you think it's like gravel or some kind of rubble over the place, but it's just fragments of human bones, like as far as you can see. (laughs) Mom, look at this rock. I'm going (laughs) to chew on it because it looks like an Uh, Eminem. The most... (laughs) I thought you were going to say an enema. The most sacred substance was human blood, especially a king's blood. Led in auto-sacrificial ritual was the greatest gift that a king could offer to the gods and to his ancestors. There are a number of sites where child sacrifices have been found. It was thought that the baby's tears would bring the rainwater from the sky. So a lot of sacrifice was oriented toward fertility, toward ensuring that the natural cycles took their course and that the harvest would be bounteous and the people would be happy. And <laughs> the people would be happy. I'm interested um, to see the new Shamamalon movie because it kind of deals with this. This um, is Knock at the Cabin? Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently the premise is something along the lines of um, some people break into a house and make the people that live in the house sacrifice one of themselves lives uh, in order to stop a bunch of natural disasters from happening. Yeah. It's almost like a cabin in the woods type thing, except it's not like a high tech government. It's like some weirdos that break into a cabin. Right. We assume they're weirdos. They may be perfectly, perfectly rational people. I haven't seen it. I've seen the trailer. Uh, I'm more excited for Cocaine Bear because that's a true story that happened here in Knoxville. Uh, Knoxville, okay. We were trying to figure it out last night. Uh, we were, we were on. I was on a stream with uh, Kyle, and uh, we were trying to figure out where it happened. I could read somebody was like Kansas, and I was like, Nah, that doesn't sound right. Um, cocaine Bear. So, I what's mean, the story of Cocaine Bear? A bunch of coke fell out of a plane, or a plane crashed with a bunch of coke in it, and then the coke, the bear ate the coke, and then it went crazy and killed some people. But, I mean, the movie is clearly embellished. I don't think there's a slow-mo shot of the bear jumping into the back of a speeding ambulance and eating somebody. It's like, I don't think shit like that was going on. No, I mean, you weren't there. Yeah, it's true. Um. But, I mean, the, <laughs> I mean, Rome County and that Rockwood Airport, the cops, um, there's like three judges and dozens of cops that have died in prison or are still in, in jail for running drugs and drug trafficking through like uh wow east tennessee like the super corrupt small town yeah 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 that's a thing um (laughs) one more one more uh type of ancient sacrifice this was closer to i guess the what would now be considered the middle east the ancient the ancient israelites there are many mentions in the bible of ancient israelites that worshiped other gods and of yahweh's or the god of the bible's angry disapproval of them 
Learning about Israelites who worshipped Moloch, a god of nature, it's hard to disagree with God on the matter. Ancient Israelites regularly sacrificed infants to their various gods, often by binding the child and then burning it alive. And this wasn't just captives taken in war either, but sometimes their own. Thankfully for children everywhere, the Israelites who would eventually become the first Christians and Jews came along and told everyone to knock it off, because burning children to appease nature is pretty nuts. <laughs> knock it off, guys. I like the sound effect of all the kids going, ah! <laughs> he just called baby murder pretty nuts. Pretty nuts. That's one way to say it. <laughs> oh my god. That's pretty nuts, fellas. Maybe you should knock it off. <laughs> when I take my pants off and look in the mirror, I... I look at it and I say, "Pretty nuts." Oh, all right. You want to hear two? <laughs> do you want to hear two Jews arguing about whether or not God thinks we should still sacrifice um, children? Sure. Okay. The idea. I, this is five minutes long, so let me know when you get bored. The idea that <laughs> okay. Judaism doesn't believe, and you know, this quote by Singer: "The idea that Judaism doesn't believe, or at least some forms of Judaism doesn't believe in uh, 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 substitutionary atonement of a human is simply not true." And the reason why is because uh, some sects of Judaism, including Orthodox Judaism and Hasidic Judaism, You're believe Jewish, that right? Isaac actually did die on the altar and that God rose him. Up from the dead, which is a better picture of the Messiah Yeshua. But for now, let's go to some quotes. So here we go. Both these guys, one, one of these guys is wearing a yarmulke and the other guy is wearing a baseball cap. Um, oh, now, right. now, the guy with the baseball cap, I feel like is not a, a, a he's not being a good Jew. So I got to trust the other the other guy talking at the beginning in this argument. That's what I base all this on because I don't know enough about the theology behind it. <laughs> of the Messiah Yeshua, but for now, let's go to some quotes. So here we go. Oh, it's in the Talmud. I mean, if you, if, if. Okay, hang on. Okay, go. I mean, yeah. I. Go for it. Go. Well, in, in, in uh, Rosh Hashanah, it's so in Babylonian Talmud, 16a at the bottom, it says, I've got the Hebrew here, but I'll translate it on the fly. Omar Rabbi uh, Avahu, so Rabbi uh, Avahu says, Lama Tolkien, Bashofar, Shall Ayal. Why do we. Why do we blow? Why do we do the tikkia with the shofar of the of the ram? Uh, the holy one, blessed be he, said, "Blow before me the shofar of the ram, so that I will reckon it to you all." The akidat Yitzhak ben Avraham, the binding of the of Isaac son of Abraham, v'maale ani alechem, and I will reckon it to you, keilu akadtem, as if you yourselves were bound before me. That's that's the Babylonian Talmud. That's not, that's not just any sect of Judaism. That's that's the idea of when on Rosh Hashanah, the blowing of the ram's horn. That is, the, the theology is that God reckons Israel as if they themselves collectively were bound. bound yeah, before, bound themselves before Him. I'm gonna pause it there. I don't know. I I was raised pre-Christian, but I, I would imagine if you, the New Testament, like the New Covenant. Through Christ, I would imagine that the old, if the Old Testament still stands according to what Jews believe, then animal sacrifice is necessary, if not also human sacrifice from time to time, because that was what that the Old would, Testament God taught, right? Yeah, and the, then Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, so um, from the perspective, so no of more. The, yeah, from the OG guys, because like the Mormons have the third part of the Bible, the Christians have two parts. And the Jews only have that one part. So if you're just going off that one part, do they still sacrifice animals on the reg? Um, like mm, lamb's blood on their doors maybe, for Passover well, and stuff? 
Uh, maybe I, I, I'm, and I'm totally talking out of my ass. Yeah. So um, am I. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something, maybe part of that. Well, no, that wouldn't be the kosher thing. Um, uh, animal sacrifice is still done in some communities. I was listening to a news report the other day about, um, they were trying to make a law to ban animal sacrifices or to allow them. Anyway, there's an argument over animal sacrifices and they were saying it's part of our religion to do these sacrifices. And the city was trying, yeah, the city was trying to ban it. And they were like, no, um, you can't do that because there's, there's health concerns. And then they came to like a, a, uh, agreement that like they had to have a city inspector come out after the sacrifice to make sure it was cleaned up properly. Mm. And they were like, I mean, yeah, you can do that, but we clean it up after we don't just, you know, leave everything a mess. Uh, so there are still folks out there doing animal sacrifices for their religion, religious purposes. And, and I would assume, even though they got to keep it on the DL for the most part, uh, human sacrifices. That I mean, I, I can't tell you no. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> There's a whole lot of people go missing every year. Yeah. And I was actually going to tie it in with the, the deep underground military bases, missing 401, all those, the hikers and especially kids that go missing. It's like, if you right. need, um, you need to, you know, get some, not just somebody to do genetic experiments on or uh, get it harvest adrenochrome from, but uh, yeah, it seems like a good place to uh, snatch somebody up for human sacrifice. But honestly, you would think that once they had enough people, they could just breed humans in captivity underground. And then you would, nobody would know they were missing because you just have generation upon generation of people yeah. that have been born and bred in captivity in deep underground military bases. Yeah, generational uh, fodder for the sacrifice. Yeah. And here's the, here's the thing. If you teach somebody or the opposite, you don't teach somebody something like you never teach them what it is to be human. Um, they're just instinctive. And it's like, or you teach them that this, again, going back to what I was saying about the, uh, the Aztecs, you teach them from the very beginning of their life that the best thing that they can possibly do is be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you, but they might not even ever know or try to escape if you, they believe that the entire universe is the little room they're inside of. Yeah, like this is this is the entire universe. Um, and the people talking to them, like we we came into existence here just like you did, yep. and uh, but we all have different purposes, and your purpose is to be and to uh, go through this procedure. You know, it's and dark. If you teach somebody something from the day that they're born, it is the truth. It is the real reality to them. You know, freaky. Uh, NetNed posted in the chat uh, link to the Detroit area cities. Okay, animal sacrifice for religious reasons. Ham Ham Trank Ham Michigan. <laughs> uh, it's like a three, it's like two paragraphs. You want to just read this? Yeah. Or? Yeah. All right. Sorry, I had to cough. Uh, residents of the Detroit area community with a large Muslim population can sacrifice animals at home for religious reasons. The Hamtrank City Council explicitly approved the practice two to three Tuesday, uh, another step in recognizing a cultural shift in the city whose 20th century history was shaped by Polish immigrants. Muslims often slaughter animals, typically goats or sheep, or pay someone else to do that, do that for them to the holy holiday of Eid al-Adha. Meat is shared with the family, friends, or the poor. Uh, Hamtrank City Council in December voted to continue to continue a ban on animal slaughter, but reversed course, at least for religious reasons. 
After legal advice and objections from people who follow Islamic faith, the Detroit Free Press reported. Uh, this is a quote from Muhammad Hassan, a council member. Uh, if somebody wants to do it, they have the right to do their practice. Uh, he's a yeah, city council member. So, yeah, uh, there's a little bit more in the article, but yeah, it looks like they, they voted to allow it for religious purposes. So it's more, um, it's practiced more, at least in the U.S., by the Islamic faith than the Jewish faith. Uh, I mean, in this instance, I guess so, yeah. Just from this article, that's all I know about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a city, of pop- it's a city, town, I guess you'd call it, population of 28,000. More than half the residents uh, are of Yemeni or Bangladeshi descent. And they have to pay, they do have to pay a fee for the inspection. So, well, as long as the government's getting their their cut, I guess that's what really matters. That's yeah, that's the that's the uh, the main thing is that the government, you know, hey, um, if you want to do this thing, we got to get a gotta get a little bit of that, you know. Uh, and I'm doing the thing where you where you rub your your thumb and your fingers together to to denote you give me some money. <laughs> um, but since this isn't a video show, uh, I thought I might need to explain. Yeah, it's like doing air quotes. Right. You mean air quotes? Yeah. <laughs> you can you can say it. I was told by a genetic engineer about a project they were on in England once, and I never told the story on air because it's so fantastical. They had in tanks people with gills and their little babies and they were in there just gulping, clawing at the sides. You see a turtle at the zoo and it wants out and you feel for it. They got humanoids crossed with fish and stuff. I mean, we are screwed, people. I mean, do you understand that? Yeah. Hey, Jim is right. <laughs> um, okay. Let me, uh, I'm not a big fan of either of these guys. One of them because he's just a pretentious asshole, and the other one is not only cries too much, but he's Canadian. Um, <laughs> this is Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris on human sacrifice. Here, here's the sacrificial story. So human beings have made sacrifices. It seems to be a standard practice all around the world. And in the biblical narratives, they would often stop, sacrifice stop clip, something of value, like a, like a valuable... Um. I know you've got you've got the sound drop of the crying. Uh, maybe play that over this, just so we get the right get in the right mindset. Okay, yeah. Producing your show for you. Okay, good. Idea. <laughs> Here, here's the sacrificial story. So human beings have made sacrifices. It seems to be a standard practice all around the world. And in the biblical narratives, they would often sacrifice something of value, like a like a valuable animal, <laughs> like a child. Start. Let's start. Well, with- <laughs> well, no, no, no. Look, look. I'm not. I'm not making light of this. I know that human sacrifice was a part of this. Yeah, but, so, but, but but that's again. So just to just to give you a, a crib on where my mind goes here is yep. human human sacrifice is as old a religious precept as we know about. Yes. it's a cultural universal. The, the other sacrifices are derivations from it. Circumcision yes. is a surrogate for the far more b- barbaric act of human sacrifice. And, you know, it, it answers every test you would put to it with respect to its archetypal significance, its, its, its compelling uh, presence in stories across all cultures. But the horror is that it actually has taken place in all these cultures based on explicit yes. beliefs in the presence of just just right. well, Arthur oppressive Kessler, scientific ignorance. Arthur right? so Kessler you, used that as the, an argument for the essential insanity of humanity, 
Right? We have, so, no, but it's not just the insanity of humanity. It's the, the misapprehension of the causal structure of the cosmos. You don't uh, know what that, controls okay. the weather. Well, you don't know why people get sick. You think your neighbor is capable of, of casting magic spells on you. You're ignorant of everything, and you're trying to force some order on things. And yeah. so when you don't, in the absence of engineers, and you don't know why build, certain buildings fall down, you actually can agree with your neighbor that maybe you should bury your firstborn child into every post hole of this new building, which in fact has took place. Now, okay, so first, <laughs> poor Jordan. <laughs> uh, pull it together, man. First of all, you, Jordan Peterson sounds a lot more effeminate at Kermit the Frog when he cries. He, he does. He um, definitely does. But like the, Sam Harris's um, flaw in his argument, and Peterson isn't really pushing him the way I would. Was like, what if hype like this? Th- what they're saying only makes sense if the gods they were sacrificing to weren't real, whether they're like demonic or aliens or like, but. The, the presupposition here is that they weren't in either like 3D space aliens like the Anunnaki or some kind of interdimensional alien or or some kind of demonic or ancient evil god. like Or that they're that, on the same timeline as us, you know? They experience right. time the same way. Exactly. Um, so that's the problem. Yeah. With, like he's saying like, well, it's all... Peterson is kind of giving him this, the ground to Sam Harris here where Sam Harris is like saying, well, obviously that's all crazy, but they all did the same thing with... They all built pyramids all on, you know, six different continents and all chopped people's hearts out and sacrificed women and children to for some reason. So wouldn't um, what's more likely that they all just came up with that themselves willy nilly or that there was some kind of evil um, force that was directing them to do that? Right. I mean, you you get into the extra dimensional beings and all this stuff becomes very, especially if the, these extra dimensional beings do have any influence on our world. Yeah. But they, the way that they have to manipulate it has to work with the physics of our world, but they can bounce them back and forth between time to cause things to happen whenever to get the ball rolling on something. Um, yeah. And yeah, you're getting kind of deep there, but, or I'm, I'm getting kind of deep there, but um, with the, a lot of things have to fall into place, but um, yeah, if you're making the assumption that everything has to be a hundred percent mechanical and there's nothing that we can't experience with our senses. Um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta push back on that and be like, you know, there's stuff that we don't, can't experience. It just, I mean, unless, unless, you know, building pyramids and sacrificing things to weird gods is something that's just built in our you know, in our DNA as human beings. But uh, I, other than that, it just doesn't make any sense to me that it would just be a coincidence that this would happen throughout all of recorded history on every continent without Everyone there being all at once. Yeah, without, uh, without there being some kind of hidden hand behind that, or maybe not a not so hidden hand considering they were openly worshiping these gods. Yeah. Well, you know, hidden now, um, not talked about except for in esoteric circles now. Uh, when used to be, this was just how it was, you know, I'll continue on with the, it's the consequence of ignorance. And so that the problem is if you're only going to talk about this you know, purified notion strange, of sacrifice, it's a very strange consequence of ignorance. Yeah. Like, well, you it's, said, a, it's, it's, it's the notion that we're in relationship to invisible others that can, 
that they can mistreat us based on our are, not having offered enough. We're, we are. We're in, we're, but we're, not, we're in not precisely those others. Well, but we're in relationship to the invisible others who will judge us in the future. <laughs> okay, so, but that, so again, let, you're, changing, you're changing the noun in important well, I, ways. I know, but I'm also trying to understand, and I, I'm not trying to argue against the horror of child sacrifice. No, I, I, I would never imagine I know, you would. I know, but I'm, just, I, but I'm also, yeah, but I'm yes. also trying Although to... The, I'm but trying my work to, would be much easier if you I, did that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. And, and the work of journalists as yeah. well, although yeah. they've tried that pretty much anyway. <laughs> That's right. So... Right, that would be, that would even be worse than enforced monogamy, hypothetically. <laughs> no doubt. Yes. No. So, okay, so, see, I'm... Let's say that I'm trying to give the devil his due, and I'm trying to understand from an evolutionary perspective, like a cognitive behavioral evolutionary perspective, let's say, why that particular set of ideas would emerge, and in many, many, many places, perhaps autonomously, or once having emerged, would spread like wildfire. It's like, mm. because I'm not willing to only attribute it to ignorance. Now, we can attribute it to ignorance, no problem, man. But, but there's more going on there, because it is a human universal. And like, there's all sorts of things that happen in nature, as a consequence of biological and evolutionary processes that don't work out well for our current s state of, of moral intuition. Let's Rick, say. Yes. Okay, so one of the things, because I've been thinking about this sacrificial motif for a very long time, and trying to figure out what the, what, what the hell's the idea here exactly? And so, so here, here's one way of thinking about it. Um, if you give up something of value now, you can gain something of more value in the future. Okay, so let's think about that idea for a minute. So the first thing is, that's a, that's a hell of an idea. Yeah, that's delay of delayed, gratification. Yeah, gratification. That's yeah. right. That's the discovery of the future as well. And so you might say, well, the notion of sacrifice is exactly the same thing as the discovery of the future. If we give up something we really value now, we can make a pact with the structure of existence itself such that better things will happen to us in the future. Now, yes. okay, now what's weird about this, and it's hard to understand, is that it works. It's like the secret. <laughs> well, um, but with murder. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it's what's interesting about this and hard to understand is it works. I try it all the time. <laughs> I was building a fence the other day and I was digging a hole with my post hole diggers and I uh, tossed a couple of babies in there. <laughs> I used to Guess have what? a lot more kids. <laughs> that my Jordan Peterson impression always turns into an Irish guy. It turns into a leprechaun for some reason. <laughs> oh, shit. A, a weepy leprechaun. Oh, 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 oh. oh laddie. <laughs> Lobsters. Oh, God. <laughs> so what you're saying is... <laughs> what looks to me like what happened is that after we observed that people who were capable of delaying gratification sacrificed things that they valued in order to obtain a future goal and it worked that we started to codify that as a representation and then started to act it out and okay. so so the story and and you'd say well that produced strange variants but but there's a reason for that too as far as i can say so imagine this imagine that there's a rule of thumb sacrificing what you find valuable now will ensure certain benefits in the future. Well, then the question becomes, how good could those future benefits be? And so that might be heavenly, let's say, in the archetypal extreme. And what's the ultimate sacrifice that you have to perform? And then I would say, well, the child sacrifice fits into that category. And so 
it's, it's as if those ideas were pushed to the radical extreme. And you could say, well, that's a pathological extreme. It's like, well, it is, it is a pathological extreme, but, but I think we also have to understand that some of the things that we've learned as we've evolved towards our current state of, of wisdom, such as it is, is that they were learned in a very bloody and catastrophic way. I'm, just, I, I'm not, I guess I'm just not, um, neither one of their take on, like, neither one, I'm not buying either one of their takes on why sacrifice always existed. Where Sam Harris, like I said, is, well, people were just ignorant, they didn't know any better, and they thought, like, I guess, just kill somebody and and hopefully change the weather. And then have a- Jordan Peterson's like, they were all very philosophical and knew that uh, delayed gratification was a good thing. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> it's not. I, don't, that, I just don't, I don't think it's not, it's not clicking for me and maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. Well, um, following like talking about with Jordan Peterson, like if, if you're talking about delayed gratification, they found out was a good thing. Right. And they felt like sacrificing small things made things better later. You know, sacrificing small things now. So, like, maybe uh, back in the early days of the Aztecs, there's a guy found a potato in the ground or whatever, right? Something not great to eat, but it'll keep you alive. And he, and he dropped it, and a pig ran up and ate it, or you know, boar, whatever. And then uh, later that day, he finds an apple, and it's delicious. And then uh, he's like, wait a minute. I sacrificed that potato so I could get an apple. I'm going to go murder my babies. So really that's, good stuff will happen. That's kind of what Jordan Peterson seems to that's, be implying. Yeah. That's, it yeah. just doesn't um, make sense that like you would have that come to that conclusion and build. that's why you would build these temples all over the world. Neither yeah, one the of their explanations it, makes sense to me. Like You can come at it from both of those angles if you want to, but that doesn't explain all of the other stuff that went along with it. Like you, see, you say in the... They took the mushrooms and saw. They all saw the exact same thing. Um, well, that could be. That could also be explained by um, like Jan Irvin, who I've had on. They call um, he refers to the psychedelics as suggestions, and they were used in like MK Ultra and stuff. So, if you have like a group of psychic thought leaders, like your priests, right? Um, they could be um, projecting Planting that image. Seeds. Projecting, yeah, <laughs> planting seeds and projecting that image into all the minds of the, uh, the, um, right, right, to get them to do what they want, yeah, which is murder babies because he, you know, the whole potato thing happened to him. That was <laughs> the learning. first priest, yeah, <laughs> with incredible difficulty, and delay of gratification was certainly one of those because it's a hell of a thing to learn when you're in conditions of privation. Okay, yeah, I think that the issue here for me is that you don't need a conception of, you, you don't need any kind of positive gloss on human sacrifice as a meme or as an archetype in order to form a coherent picture of the future that can motivate you. So delay, delayed gratification is fully separable from a notion that it might ever be rational or good to sacrifice a child as an offering to an invisible other that doesn't well, but exist. how do you know it's separable? Because that's the developmental history. So, yeah, ignorance doesn't explain the same exact phenomenon happening throughout all of recorded history on every continent, I guess is my point, bringing those clips. It's just, uh, like, I'm not buying it. Maybe I'm right. just, maybe I'm overthinking it, and I'm a little too woo-woo. But what does make sense is, um, you get, like, you were, like, early in the show, you brought up uh, maybe releasing a bioweapon and then an even more deadly injection would be a good 
type of uh, human sacrifice. And if the goal of human sacrifice is depopulation, then yeah. And it seemed like it seems like if you're trying to destroy, uh, if you're an outside force trying to trick uh, the species into killing itself, then you would have them sacrifice infants and virgins, fertile yeah. women and infants. So if, yeah, if the goal yeah. is depopulation, then yeah, that's like a great reason to have uh, human sacrifice. Yeah, and if if the the uh, influencer that influenced all of the uh, early people who Logan built Paul. these things and did these sacrifices, um, if that was their goal to um, weed out the weak-minded also, um, because all, none of these civilizations exist anymore. <clears throat> More uh, civilized and smarter ones have grown out of them, though. So, you know, if you're, you know, you're halfway intelligent and you see through the, hey, wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't be murdering our babies. Let's leave this place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then go somewhere else and settle and build a civilization. Um, so it, it could be a selective breeding thing, um, as well as the get the idiots, get, you know, get all the idiots out of the picture while depopulating, getting the species to be smarter and smarter. Right. It's like uh, a test. For whatever reason. Right. It could be something along those lines. If I was an alien overlord, which I'm not for the record, um, that would be something that, you know, I'd, I might think about doing. <laughs> I want all my uh, my slave race on the planet that I created to be, uh, not created, you know, colonized. Uh, I want my slave race to be smart so they can make cool stuff for later for me. Like the internet. Like the internet. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, that dang old internet, man, you just go on there and point and click, get in there and talk about www.wcom, and you got that naked chicks on there, man, you go click, 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 it's real easy, man. I like the These idea that the... that he's picking are really fun. <laughs> I like the idea that the internet is, um, was like, wireless, uh, wireless, um, not Wi-Fi, but what's the word, like, cell towers, internet, the cell phone, all this type of technology kind of is like what the how the nazis built ufo prototypes in the 40s or how uh tesla got all these plans because he was channeling entities and stuff like the idea that was like the um that's where we, that technology we got came from is from uh interdimensional beings who gave us blueprints right. yeah they um and if I, I don't know uh i don't know too much about like psychotropic substances uh just what i've heard on joe rogan um but if the stories are to be believed, they first microchips were invented by people on LSD or mushrooms. And I can't remember DNA. The double helix was invented or, or discovered by a guy who was on acid. Right. Stuff like that. You hear all these stories and they're like, okay, these people are tapping into something elsewhere. Uh, so all these ideas are either out there or they're seeing the future. Um, but then that creates the whole bootstrap paradox. Um, so yeah, the, you know, that's, Terrence McKenna would talk about uh, you know the five dried grams of mushrooms in Silent Darkness, and he's like, it's like it's it's not like these other substances. The mushroom is very galactic or intergalactic. You see blueprints for weapons and battleship plans and star cruisers, and and he's like, just like it's a it's just a, a download of of technology blueprints and and star systems. And it's like. I don't know about all that, but I mean, they are pretty weird. <laughs> Maybe for you, nerd. <laughs> and so all the shaman, all the ancient religions, everybody says there are the good ones and there are the bad ones. And the, and people are interfacing. So you say, where does it begin? 
from the Tibetans to the Mesoamericans to the Egyptians to the Druids to every ancient society describes the same thing. There are bad things that look like elves that have horns when they show you who they really are. And there are good things, but they don't contact you unless you contact them. And then they, they're almost not even concerned with what you're doing. I never bought into this, looked into it. But then I began to think about what did I hear when I was a kid? What did I see? What was coming out in government documents? What was being admitted? When I read all these books about World War II and the Nazis and Hitler obsessed with the Dalai Lama and the Tibetans and what they were able to do without drugs to interface with this and all the rituals they would do and how they would believe that beyond the ether, like at Skull and Bones, it's a German death cult, they do rituals and take drugs to talk to the goddesses. Well, they're just appearing as you know, sexy, beautiful women. It's whatever you want as these spirit guides, because lower entities will come in and violate your free will. God and his angels, which are below him, will not get involved in your everyday life. They will not manipulate your free will unless you ask them in. But then the devil masquerades as an angel of light. So we're on this planet, the third dimension, which is a launch pad to all the other dimensions below and above. The third dimension, all the mathematics shows, is is the primal sea of where all this happens. And the earth's like an egg. And we've got all this potentiality. And God will send out a transmission for a larger plan, but evil is willing to come in. And what does it say? Demoralize. Get rid of children. Don't have kids. Humans are bad. You'll be, we'll be better once you're all gone. Yeah. I love <laughs> Hot Pockets. Um, I love how Alex Jones, when he's talking about the skull and bones communing with the goddesses, right? He had to put the word sexy before beautiful. Sexy beautiful women. <laughs> the sexy beautiful women. He couldn't uh, just say the beautiful goddesses or the beautiful women. Uh he had to he had to throw sexy in there. <laughs> that was the Maybe same that's episode why they, uh, of Rogan where he's like, Yeah, this this I had I had sex with this. She was like uh, nineteen, and I was thirteen. And she was. She would always say, "I'll, I'll let you have sex with me, but I, I got to put makeup on you." And I said, "Okay." <laughs> I have not heard this. How have I not heard this? Yeah. And then he's like, and then and then I left there, and and her dad said, "Yeah, you like screwing my daughter, boy. I like screwing her too. And once you join Lucifer with us, you can screw her all the time, or whatever." Wow. <laughs> And, he's, and then Joe's like, what the hell? And he's like, yeah, this happened. In, you know, this happens in L.A. all the time. Joe, you know about this. And he goes, I don't know about that. And he's like, well, I've had an incredible life. <laughs> but no, that, that last, oh, uh, that last. Moralize, get rid of children. Don't have kids. Humans are bad. You'll be, we'll be better once you're all gone. That seems to be like what all the ancient gods told people that sacrifice thing. Yeah. It's like it starts off and they there's enlightenment and then they always end up just like. Chopping people's hearts out, Indiana Jones, Kali Mosta. So right. I, I Do guess you think it's I, a trickster entity that just likes chaos and fear and pain. Or? Yeah, I mean, it depends, like whether you want to look at it from a good and evil lens or like a space alien lens or what. But it's um, if that if if there is some kind of real interdimensional force behind the reason that child sacrifice was such a key uh, part of human history. Um, I would say, I would say it's probably still going on, and uh, maybe that's the only thing that's stopping the cabin in the woods ancient gods from rising up. But I think it's more, I think it's more uh, like you said, like a test. Like it, if you can, um, what's that? So, I can't remember who I saw. I heard somebody say if you, if you can get a caterpillar to kill itself uh, before it becomes a butterfly, then it's like. Yeah. Then what? <laughs> then, uh, I then I guess you win. Then I guess you win. Oh, you yeah, beat the butterfly. I did it. <laughs> oh, uh, we stopped that butterfly from uh, from being a thing. 
Well, hey, if but if butterfly flaps its wings somewhere, a tsunami happens in Japan or something. So maybe yeah. So you're 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 doing doing the Lord's work by uh, making that caterpillar commit suicide, exactly, <laughs> or something like that. I love Jews. Okay, I guess um, I have a series. Uh, I have a series of clips here to wrap up about the Men in Black. Oh. Because if there are high-tech ritualistic sacrifices going on, and if deep underground military bases or aliens or anything like that is involved, human-animal hybrids, people bred underground, missing 411, people getting sucked down under the earth to be experimented on or, or anything like that, there would have to be some kind of government agency overseeing the thing. Yeah, and if you go, go into all this, right, the whole Cabin in the Woods scenario where it's to appease these old gods. Um are they? The, I mean, they're the, the good guys. The old gods, or the guys working for the old gods. The guys working for the old gods, trying they, to make sure they don't. literally are doing it to stop the world from ending. I guess you could argue that they are. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends on if you consider the old gods' um, motives to be evil. Um, I don't know. There's a lot, of, a lot of philosophical discussion to be had about that. <laughs> I liked that scene with because they remember like they're talking about how Japan's like Japan's got a perfect record. Yeah. Um, and then like there's like this weird like um freaky demon floating in the air and all these Japanese girls are circled around it holding hands. Yeah, talking <laughs> and, about love and whatever. They, yeah, and they turn it into a frog and they're like, We have defeated the evil of Komoto. His his spirit will now live peacefully as this frog. And they're like <laughs> they're watching like the live feed of Japan and he's looking at him, he goes, Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. How hard is it to kill nine year olds? <laughs> it's like if you want a good product, you always gotta buy American. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I do like the idea of like all the every every country's got their own like uh, so it's like it's a it's a worldwide globalist effort to where they're all in cahoots trying to like pull off a sacrifice and at least one of them has to get it right. Yeah, it's got to happen in a certain way. Yeah, depending on the culture. But uh, but uh, yeah, so but yeah, there would be if any of that is even remotely happening still when it comes to um, because like all the all the child sacrifice was the it was like the, the the government run stuff like when it comes to like Aztecs or Babylons it was yeah. like you know because the, the, the shaman or whatever was the was the government right they told yeah. everybody what to do or they the organized king had things. the priests that would do it like when it comes to Babylon right. and um god I just had a thought and it's completely gone right <laughs> yo I'm gonna score me a bag of Doritos anyway uh <laughs> play the clips <laughs> oh well if you think of it let me know I will. Um, yeah, so this this is a guy I found on the good old bit shoot. It's a guy named Joseph Spencer who claims to be a ex-Men in Black agent. My name is Joseph Spencer. From May 1970 to October 1997, I served the United States government as a top secret operative, but not in a category that is commonly known or understood. I was known as a man in black. Following seven years acting as a counterintelligence agent for the CIA, I was recruited for a new assignment that entailed working within above top secret operations. I was aware of the black budget projects, but never knew the context of them due to their high level of secrecy. Even the president was denied access to their inner workings. Annually, billions of dollars are poured into black projects, which operate without any supervision or intrusion. They have full autonomy. The operations deal primarily. I think um, 
it'd be more accurate to say billions of dollars worth of crack is poured into the black project. <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's not the black projects he was talking about. Just to the inner workings. Annually, billions of dollars are poured into black projects, which operate without any supervision or intrusion. They have full autonomy. The operations deal primarily with advancing military technologies, most of which have been reverse engineered from recovered alien spacecrafts that had either crashed or were shot down by our military. The public, sadly, will never Hello, ever have knowledge of these operations. This transition in my life happened in 1970. The senior black project director was William T. Latham, who had worked under CIA executive director Richard Schlesinger. Latham stated that I was the perfect candidate for my new position. I was a foster child, and I had no connections to existing relatives. I had no friends or social life. It was easy for them to erase my past and provide me with a new identity. I gave myself to them as a priest would to his God. But first, my mind had to be erased. I was injected with various forms of mind-altering drugs, LSD, heroin, mescaline, morphine, sodium pentothal, and more. Drug-induced hypnosis followed with anti-grade and retrograde amnesia. The goal was to program me to do two things, kill and forget. After nine months of programming, I had become a man in black. What do you think so far? Do you know anything about this guy? I have n never heard of this guy before. Joseph Spencer, very controversial and very thoroughly debunked on the conspiracy subreddit. <laughs> Um, so as is COVID came from a lab has been thoroughly debunked on the consp backslash conspiracy subreddit. Right. So, um, um, I like a lot of what he says. Yeah, it seems, it seems when did this, when, do you know when this clip happened? Was it before the movie men in black or after? Mm, good question. When was the, when did uh, the movie men in black? Come? Um, 99, 1840s, uh, <laughs> 1997. Oh, well, you know what? This could have just been a promo for the movie Men in Black because he stopped being a Men in Black the same year that Men in Black 1 came out, 1997. When did he... And he wouldn't have talked about it while he was a Man in Black. So the interview uh, that... I wonder how I would find what his what his testimony... Um, I wonder how I would find what that's from. I can just go by upload dates and obviously YouTube didn't exist in the 90s. So I should have thought... I should have maybe tried to find that source material for beforehand. But uh, I'll play the next clip while I look at that. Okay. What I later discovered was that not all the men in black were human. About a third were alien hybrids. Their distinctive feature was the absence of whites in their eyes, giving the impression of empty eye sockets. This unsettled me, and it took months to adjust to, to the reality of alien integration. My assignments largely dealt with UFO sightings and crash sites. In August of 1971, I witnessed my first UFO crash site just north of Edwards Air Force Base in California. Inside the craft were three grade humanoids, two dead, one still alive. Also in the craft was a human female abductee. The alien humanoids were transported to the base, but two witnesses had arrived before us and took several photographs. The first surrendered his camera, but the second fled. When we apprehended him, he resisted, and I was ordered to silence him, which I did. The killing of witnesses was executed with a wand, 
that acted very much like today's taser. But the voltage from the wand would cause immediate cardiac arrest and the victim's death would be attributed to natural causes. We silenced countless victims, not only men, but women of all ages and even teenagers. The following day, after each kill, our memories were reset so we would have no recollection of the murders. A good majority of the victims were ufologists and whistleblowers. Among the ufologists I personally silenced were Paul William Cooper. So he, he claims he killed Bill Cooper. But here, uh, there's our, this is the first like big hole in his story is his memory was wiped after each killing so he wouldn't have any memory of it. And then he goes on to list the people he killed. I was muted. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> I was coughing earlier. Anywho. Uh, yeah, and it just seems like everything he's saying is just like straight out of the movie. Uh, <laughs> like he tried, you know, tried to. What would this be like if if it was me? If I was one of these guys? Yeah. Um, and let's make it a little more realistic. Um, uh, you know, that's why I was asking, like, if you knew when this part took it seems, place. Because it seems to be uh, some video from like 2001 and in another interview did 2005. Okay. So uh, a little intermezzo here, the uh, story that I was talking about earlier with a man going into the underground base, the joint base, mm-hmm. Dolce base. Um, I found it on YouTube. Philip Schneider was his name. And uh, you can find on the bedtime stories, YouTube channel, um, the whole story of him, the war with the aliens un- underneath the Dolce base in New Mexico. Uh, and you know that it's, it's, you know, it's been fact checked by YouTube. There's one of the Wikipedia links uh, underneath it oh, for context, oh, even good. though it's a quote unquote fictional story with uh, YouTube channel. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they're fact checking what's the creator considers fiction. Um, anywho. Man. It, yeah. There you go. I, I'm so glad YouTube's looking out for us like that. Yeah, making sure that we understand that Dolce Base is the subject of conspiracy theories claiming that a joint, uh, jointly operated human and alien underground facility exists uh, under Archuleta Mesa in Colorado, New Mexican border near the town of Dolce, New Mexico. I'm glad that they told me that uh, while I'm listening to this fantastical story about a shootout on an underground base with some aliens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, send me that. Um, yep. That's a good one. Oh, d- um, I just completely lost my train of thought. Jesus Christ. After each kill, our memories were reset, so we would have no recollection of the murders. Oh, yeah. So what? Listen to this laundry list of people he goes on to say that he, he killed. A good majority of the victims were ufologists and whistleblowers. Among the ufologists I personally silenced were Paul William Cooper, Milton Vigay, Claude Monroe, Anthony Vargas, and noted documentarian Samantha Willis. When my wand malfunctioned with Samantha, I resorted to strangulation. She fought for her life for almost two minutes. In recalling this act, I stared into her pleading eyes for the entire duration with absolutely no remorse, guilt, or feelings. That was how effective the mind conditioning was. And it's her face that haunts my dreams more than anyone's to this day. So they stuffed out a documentarian. Yep. Well, that's not good to hear. Yeah. yeah. All right. Move. Is he move, just move admitting on. to murder? Yeah. So he he claims he killed Bill Cooper too. This is. I feel like um, I feel like the you know the cops would like to have a word with him. Well, if 
I think uh, William Cooper, wasn't it a suicide that I, I'm not sure. Um, uh, but apparently reading the comments of that YouTube video, I was just looking this guy, this Philip, uh, Philip, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> the Dolce base. It was mm-hmm. apparently silenced also uh, under certain mysterious circumstances. I remembered what I was going to say about YouTube uh, providing context below the videos. Do you remember on the day of the, uh, um, the fire at Notre Dame cathedral below all the right. videos, it would say like it would debunk the nine 11 conspiracy theories at like the Wikipedia. <laughs> it was on the, on the day of every single, like even like news, like major news, like CNN and stuff. But any, and anybody that had footage of Notre Dame burning that day underneath at the bottom, it would, it had a Wikipedia thing where YouTube like had a Wikipedia post showing how the nine 11 conspiracy theories have been debunked. Wow. That kind of, that kind of brings me, brings to mind. Have you seen I pet goat too? No. Oh, wow. Uh, we could probably do a whole episode on that. Uh, okay. Uh, we'll talk about it in the post show. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious now. Uh, okay. I'll, wait, I don't know. Do you want to keep hearing from men in black? I got, uh, I got, uh, three more clips of this yeah, guy sure let's he keeps, hear, let's he hear keeps from laying this it guy. on thick he it gets uh he it gets thicker and thicker as it goes well that's not good to hear yeah, yeah. all right move, move we're gonna move on in 1954 dwight eisenhower signed what's known as the grounded treaty with the alien gray race in exchange for shared alien technologies the grays were allowed to abduct a number of humans annually for medical examination the grays also demanded anonymity from the public a short time later, human technology took a giant leap forward with circuit chips, fiber optics, and lasers. The Grounded Treaty is still active today, but the number of human abductions has increased despite objections from the world governments. Now, the really interesting part. Every year, at least 8 million children go missing in the world. I can attest that one third of them are abducted by government operatives and transported to any one of the 1,000 477 underground military installations on the planet, then imprisoned for the remainder of their lives. The children are subjected to biological and genetic experiments, dissections, and mutilations performed not by human scientists, but an alien gray species. During my stay at the Vanguard underground base north of Phoenix, Arizona, I witnessed many of these procedures. Because there was no form of anesthesia administered to the young patients, the halls reverberated with the screams of tortured children from morning to night. The ones that perished were incinerated in the installation's crematoriums. My point of contact at this base was Lieutenant Colonel Charles T. Leninger, and he was a human-alien hybrid. And get ready for this. Get ready for this. I figured it felt a little much to put all those sound effects. Yeah. They could have left that out. Um, (laughs) Because you know how against sound effects we are here. Yeah. But I mean, it's just like. um, (laughs) No, it it, it was unnecessary. Yeah. You're talking about something that you're, if you're trying to get somebody to believe you, I mean, obviously I'm, he didn't add that in. It's whatever, whoever was, I don't know who added that in. Right. Um, So some guy that was bored of listening to this guy. Um, (laughs) But he, he worked in the deep underground military bases. He worked in the disappearing children. and Yeah, so like you were saying, like it, it doesn't really make sense to, if, if you've got these facilities, 
that nobody knows about, why not just breed people? Mm-hmm. You, you know, why, why are they snatching kids from people? Maybe that's part of, of just, the uh, ritualistic nature of it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that has something to do with it. Cause that, that seems to be a disconnect for people is like the, um, they, they disconnect the people abducting people to do bad things to them from the ritualistic, you know, quote unquote, occult stuff, you know, when it, mm-hmm. it could all be, the government could be involved in all of that, <laughs> you know? Well, we know those underground tunnels in DC, the finders cult, the CIA was heavily like involved in funding and being a part of the whole, the finders. When that's got declassified, uh, Gunderson, Ted Gunderson was talking about that. And then, uh, the FBI guy, and then, you know, decades after or a decade or so, after he's dead, those documents come out that it's like, yep, all those, uh, there's underground tunnels where the CIA and the finders cult were kidnapping and torturing kids. And there's pentagrams underground or, you know, carved into the walls and those underground tunnels and stuff. Yeah. Like, like that all goes this on, stuff but how grand is the, of the scale is, is the question where they like, yeah, rogue? they admit things right. in these declassified documents and then nothing ever, like there's never any, there's a disconnect in people's heads where it's like, Oh, well, wow. The government back then was terrible. Um, they did all kinds of horrible stuff back then. Yeah. Um, but you know, nowadays they're just looking out for us. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> I, I mean, just, even, um, even, um, I mean, even people that, uh, like on a, a much less extreme scale, people that were anti-war and now are pro or people that were untrusting of big pharma and now love Pfizer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, we've always been at war with East Asia. Um, it's the whole changing it's just propaganda, you know. You tear down the posters, saying, uh, "I can't, I can't remember the countries in uh, in 1984." But you can flip them on a on the. You've seen it like in real time. People, like the the vaccine was the worst possible thing in the world when Trump was president, and then all of a sudden, it's the best thing that's ever happened to humanity. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> you know, compilation because, of all the Democrats saying they'd never take it and all that. Yeah. Yeah, because, oh, Trump Trump fast-tracked this. I'm not putting that in my body. And then, you know, oh, oh I want booster no. number 40, 46. I went and got the Johnson & Johnson, but then they said there was a problem with that. So I went the next day and got the Pfizer and the Moderna just to be safe, you know. So uh <laughs> went ahead and got two and three boosters right out of back-to-back. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm good to go. Four, four days, seven shots. I'm good to go. <laughs> yep. Okay, gotcha I got science. <clears throat> you want to hear... Men in Black, former Men in Black agent Joseph Spencer's 2030, year 2030 predictions. We can close on that. Oh, yeah, we're almost there. We're getting there. It's coming up. Get ready for this. In 1994, the World Population Summit in Cairo, Egypt, had 160 nations participate, where they all agreed that the human population was out of control and must be stopped because the world is running out of resources. An agreement was formed that would mandate the reduction of humans from 6 billion to 800 million by the year 2030. This meant finding a method or methods to wipe out nearly 95% of the population. Solutions were discovered, investigated, tested, then created, and have been in full force since. The procedures have been inflicted onto the human race are as follows. One. Toxic levels of chemically enhanced fluoride have been secretly added to our drinking water over the last 20 years in every city and community on the planet. I personally oversaw the delivery of fluoride barrels to Denver, Chicago, 
Tampa, and Minneapolis water departments. The adverse effects of fluoride poisoning to the human body are numerous and debilitating. The effects to children is damage to their neurological development, among other serious ailments. Two, man-made viruses and diseases. The AIDS virus, which was a designer byproduct of the American Disease Institute, was distributed through vaccines to the public in 1980. Instituted as a preliminary population control tactic, the results were successful and led to more lab-produced viruses that have since been unleashed onto the public. Among those is the development of a mutated version of the common flu to replicate the 1918 influenza pandemic that killed 40 million people. The first strain of this new flu virus will be released to the public in late 2017. So if we see a flu... I mean, maybe. I mean, that they say 2019 for sure COVID was around. Maybe it was 2017. Or, or you know... um yeah, just you know, he's he's off on his gears, or or this is just uh, you know, stuff's been in science fiction for a really long time, and he reads a lot of science fiction. Yeah, that's that's the plausible <laughs> one. Yeah, this uh, this guy in particular, who I'm talking about, I'm yeah. not you know, 2017. So if we see a flu outbreak in the late 2017 or early 2018 that's killing people, we'll know this is true. Right? Damn, he was just like one year Three. off. Killing us from uh, almost uh. barium chloride, cancer microbes, and viruses by way of chemtrails. Released into the skies daily over all inhabited regions by military aircrafts. The effects of these toxins are severe and over time lethal, causing respiratory ailments, cancer, damage to the immune systems, and sterilization in men. Since the chemtrail plan was implemented, sperm count in men has dropped nearly 50%. If this isn't reversed soon, the human race will face early extinction. Now the grand finale. This is some scary shit. <laughs> I'll save the I'll <laughs> save the grand finale scary so, shit for post show. So the um the the chemtrails causing the the sperm thing, right? Mm-hmm. The problem problem with uh and I'm not against the, the idea of chemtrails being sprayed, right? I think that that's definitely a thing that's happening, but there's so many. So many things that happened in the early 80s up until now, or whenever this guy was talking even, um, that can be attributed. There's a lot of things that can be attributed to a lot of different things. There's all the vaccines that started really being pushed in the 80s. Um, Chernobyl, Three Mile Island. Carrying (laughs) around a radioactive uh, brick, cell, (laughs) cell phone brick in our pockets all the time. Right, and all the sweeteners all of them um mm-hmm. seed oils being in everything food just being not as natural mm-hmm. uh as it used to be and uh a lot all, and, you know maybe it's just a combination of all these things or or maybe this guy with his barrels of fluoride that he personally delivered apparently uh he was doing it this guy um like if he thinks the the, the highly concentrated fluoride that he was delivering was such a huge i mean this guy is just admitting to be a murderer and a war criminal he admitted to right. choking the life out of a woman's uh, a UFO documentarian, and yeah. watching the life and, uh, drain out of her eyes, and killing and t- killing uh, William Cooper, behold the pale horse, William Cooper. I mean, that's that's pretty heavy. Yeah, this is this guy. Um, 
I mean, has he been investigated? Do we know anything about this guy other than what he's talking about on whatever show this is? <laughs> yeah, I've just seen interviews with him and uh he I think he wrote a book too, but I didn't find out about this guy until today. So definite oh, grain okay. of salt. Definite grain of salt. <laughs> but um Imagine if we if we came like fully prepared to this episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, I found. Imagine I found uh, like articles on on him, and most of it's people going like, "Oh, he predicted COVID because of that last clip." Right, he but I mean, so did the movie flu virus that would show up in late 2017, early 2018. Yeah, so did the movie uh, Away Further Instructions. Have yeah. you seen that? Yes. Yeah, you've seen that. That's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Exactly. Like the exact thing that happened in that movie happened to, you know, the world. Uh, I liked uh, <laughs> two years after Utopia, the movie came out. I think with the, with John Cusack and Rain Wilson. Where they, I haven't seen that one. I'd say it, it came out, they filmed it the year before COVID. And I think it came out in 2020. And it's, um, it's basically the John Cusack. Uh, he creates a virus to create demand for a vaccine. That's going to sterilize everyone. Like everyone that takes it. For like two right. generations to lower the world population. Oh, yeah. You know. And like the good guys are trying to stop him from doing it. But by the end, they realize, you know what? It was actually a good idea. And we do have too many people. We don't have enough people. <laughs> <laughs> we need more people. <laughs> yeah. Especially if sperm counts are lower. The, yeah. And the, the more people there are, the, you know, the more hot chicks there are, you know, just that's just <laughs> numbers. Like, that's math. It is. Terrence McKenna had <laughs> said that like we should limit male birth. Um, and that way, like, cause the globe, the world population should be 75% women. And I was yeah. like, wow, that sounds like something, a fucking eugenicist. He was, he was like, he always referred to himself as a male feminist too. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Himself? I see what you're, see oh, what you're doing here. Male feminist. <laughs> <laughs> there's I'll not only too many people, getting, there's too many men. There's too many men and I'll have a much better chance of getting some if there were less men. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. McKenna, man. Because that that's what you fun to listen to but i don't trust that guy i trust this dude this men in black guy we just heard way more than i trust mckenna this this men in black guy sounds like a real winner <laughs> uh, it just sounds also like um he's he got his hands it. in everything that's the yeah, problem is he's yeah. reading it yeah if, if he lives through something he would just be talking about it exactly you know? and he, i thought he's supposed to not remember any of it that was that was the first red flag Key. for me is when he's like, they, every time we, they would wipe our memory after every assassination we did. And then he's like, and here's 10 people I assassinated. <laughs> it didn't work on me. You see, yeah. I remember everything. I do like the Even idea things of that him never meeting, happened. I, I like the idea of him meeting that Lieutenant Colonel that was like half uh, alien. Yeah. Yeah. I hear a lot about that. I hear like, um, I hear old Barack Obama's like part alien. Mm-hmm. Barry Sotaro. Like he used to live on Mars and stuff. Whoa. You never heard of this? Wait, is this the guy that said like he met Abe Lincoln on Mars too? Like the guy that tells that story? No, no. There's a whole, a whole rabbit hole you can go down uh, where Barack Obama in his young life, and this is why nobody knew him when he was younger, uh, lived on Mars because we have bases there and we have these portals that we can jump back and forth to Mars. And he worked up there. And may or may not be part alien. I like it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Does that stuff. mean his, half, is, is his um, Malik Obama, his half-brother, that's like a big MAGA hat-wearing Trump supporter, does that mean that brother's the human half or the alien half? Probably, because he probably knows the truth, but he can't go out and say it because he knows that uh, 
you know, his fame and stuff. Will, you know, he can't just come out and say it. People will kill him where he lives. So. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. Mr. Meatus, thanks for hanging tonight. And um Oh yeah. yeah. Fun Fact Friday and Meatus Pod. Well, Fun Fact Friday is on hiatus. Uh that's true, man. Until further notice. Uh we're probably gonna come back with a different format. Um because you know, the that format had run it run its course and the kiddo's getting older and wants to do more like more interesting stuff. Right. Um and then Meatus Pod, um it's but the whole the whole getting, archive is still available. The whole archive is still available, and I've got some stuff in the works. Uh, I've got a lot of free time coming up soon, and I've got a lot planned for the next uh, six months. A lot. Uh, not even just me, just pot a bunch of other stuff. Awesome. So, things are working. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Yeah. You always me a bag of Doritos. Doritos. Uh, well, yeah. Um, obviously, links to everything. everything you do will be in the show notes, as always, and I uh, appreciate you, man. I think oh, yeah. um, I think we. If I, I don't, I don't know much after this whole discussion, other than I'm not really a fan <laughs> of sacrificing people. <laughs> we, yeah, we we touched on some. We we brought up some good some good stuff to think about and I possibly research bad. later. I think it's, it's bad. bad. I don't think you should do it. I don't think that you should build your house's foundation on your firstborn child's body. Yeah, is that even a real thing, or did Sam Harris just make that up? I don't know. I've never heard of that. Just he's like, yeah, you use each kid as one of the pillars for your and next house. You also, like, yeah, <laughs> you have to you have to think with the way that stories get sensationalized. That is not a new thing, right? So m- maybe they buried their child on their land, right after it died of natural causes, and then that's where they ended up putting the post. You know, yeah, <laughs> and they didn't. True. You know what I mean? <laughs> Something like that could have happened, and then some. You know. Uh, 2300 BC reporter was like, Oh my goodness, look what they're doing! <laughs> oh, yeah, and wrote it down because they're the only one that could write. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and so, like, in current day, they found that kid under the post. Yeah, I, I guess know. that's why they call know. it postmodernism. I never knew what that meant. Oh, all right, I'm gonna go grab a beer, I'll put all on right, this, man. uh, the final conclusion, the thrilling conclusion of, um. Uh, Joseph Spencer, verified Men in Black, and uh, All right. and then uh, maybe and, uh, we can call him to Nick. Yeah, and uh, I do want I do want to watch this uh, iPad Goat two with you. Oh, okay. Talk about it. All right. Yeah. Let, I'll. Uh, it's like six minutes, so it's not a big deal. Word. Yeah. I'll. I'll give me like uh, play these clips out. Thanks everybody for listening. Yeah. And yeah, enjoy. I'm gonna go grab a beer. All right. Now the grand finale. This is some scary shit. In March 1997, an event known as the Phoenix Lights became the most infamous UFO sighting in history. A mile-wide vessel, clearly not man-made, flew slowly and silently over the state of Arizona and was witnessed by 10,000 people, including the governor of Arizona. To date, there has been no reasonable explanation. But for every witness interviewed, the craft was as real as anything they'd ever seen. Their lives were transformed. They now believe that we truly are not alone. However, there is another truth, for I know what they really saw. 1986, while stationed at an underground installation near Boulder, Colorado, 
I was introduced to Project Skybeam by Lieutenant General Andrew Garris. I was then led down a corridor and into a large hangar where a stealth bomber hovered only 20 feet above me. I stood there confused. Then Garris looked over at me and smiled, then asked if I was certain of what I was seeing. I replied, of course. What else could it be? I was then shocked to find out that this wasn't a real craft. It was a projected hologram. Since the early 1950s, scientists have been developing holographic technology and over the years improved it to a state that we can only imagine. As I stood there staring at the bomber, which looked so absolutely real and solid that I could reach up and touch it, I contemplated the possibilities. What if this projection was a thousand feet up in the sky? How would anyone know that that was an illusion? The Phoenix Lights craft, witnessed by 10,000 people, was the first grand-scale sky beam test upon the public. It succeeded beyond expectations. In October 1938, Orson Welles unleashed his War of the Worlds radio broadcast to the American public. It was so realistically portrayed, vast portions of the population went into panic. Terrified citizens scrambled to evacuate their cities in droves. America had been easily tricked by very simple means. To amplify this response, those who are truly in power of not only our country, but all the countries on the planet, and who are the true purveyors of the depopulation process, have formulated the final stage of their sinister plan. In the year 2024, a global event will alter the course of mankind's future. The world will stand witness to a massive alien invasion. Thousands of projected holographic alien warships will blanket the skies sending people into a global panic. Real military crafts within the holograms will inflict actual damage to the surrounding areas to sell the gimmick. And as a result of the ensuing human chaos, a one-world government will immediately form without any resistance from the people. They will be the new world order. Once this happens, we as a people will be doomed to enslavement and accelerated depopulation. With that said, the only hope for human salvation is to acquire and spread the knowledge of these activities and agendas. Resist, retaliate, and conquer this imposing enemy. The time is now, as humanity is rapidly approaching its final days. So we're on this planet, the third dimension, which is a launch pad to all the other dimensions below and above. The third dimension, all the mathematics shows, is is the primal sea of where all this happens. And the Earth's like an egg, and we've got all this potentiality. And God will send out a transmission for a larger plan, but evil's willing to come in. And what does it say? Demoralize. Get rid of children. Don't have kids. Humans are bad. You'll be, we'll be better once you're all gone. And it's because... It's their operational mission, for whatever reason, that we'll understand later what's going on. So the Nazis, if you get into deep literature, they believed they were basically seancing and, 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 and being possessed by entities that, I mean, it was before the Nazis. For whatever reason, it was the Germans that this happened to, and the Swiss. Like, they didn't discover LSD in the 30s. These, these people were running the psychology departments. They were interfacing with the occult. They were involved in all this crazy stuff. 
and it was all about their power and how great they were going to be. And they, the Germans were seduced. And they were seduced because they had high IQs, but more than that, they were psychically connected to each other and would work like robots. The this Chinese and the EU want robots to replace us because they'll follow orders. And the Chinese are very conscious when they're conscious, but they're also very robotic. But the Germans are just as robotic. So this entity system picked Germans as its attempt, even in World War One, World War Two, and it was manipulating the Brits as well, and offering them technologies, but two different paths. One was social control and all this other stuff with the Brits. The other was high-tech weapons, uh, systems, interdimensional with the Germans. And so whoever these players are, you can dial into it. It's very dangerous. They're manipulating the British arm versus the German arm. And then they've got the Chinese arm that's almost seen as like their robot army. And, 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 and so when you study it, the globalists go to these events and they take bigger and bigger doses of drugs. They do electroshock. Uh, if you go back to owners of Time Life books, didn't weren't just in the 20s and 30s in the LSD and, and other hallucinogens and apothecary. They were getting electroshock. They were they were they were having people turn their heart off to like try to communicate with these things to try to be dominant and get that. So you go back thousands of years, Merlin, you know, the archetypal or or or, or these magicians or these these wizards are taking drugs in these temples and interfacing with these palantirs, these crystal balls, which aren't really crystal balls. It's their psychic focus. Focus of an interdimensional connection while they're on drugs looking into glass to then be able to see the future and understand what's happening to give them temporal power over this planet. But like the Bible tells you, any pharmacia or any of that always leads to destruction because only evil is going to come through that way. So we're basically have these light sockets. We can't jack into the higher unless it's our free will and that takes time. We jack in to the evil. So you can jack into evil. You can't jack into good right away. So it's quicker. It's easier, like Yoda says about Darth Vader. Quicker, easier, more seductive. And so then I remember being a kid. And and, and my parents, they don't really get mad about this. It's whatever. They didn't even know what they were hearing at the time. But they had friends that they knew at UT that were involved in research projects. And then, and then they were, and, every, and nine times out of ten, I wrote about research projects in San Francisco. UT has some. MIT has a lot. And chop me anytime you want. But... This was in like the 60s. They had virtual reality gloves where you'd put them on and put goggles on and you'd go into stuff that looked like the holodeck from Star Trek 20 years before it existed. And they were doing surgeries and all this. And they would do empathy loads where they'd say, we need the public because we're so weak because the West is so strong. People haven't had trauma. So they sold them low level. Oh, we're going to create trauma. Like when you go to Mars, you're not getting any gravity. So your heart's no good when you get there. Who's organizing all this? Well, they don't tell you. They go, oh, it's a special class you've been about to. So in the 60s, they had gloves. So there's a special class of people that are organizing all this shit for It's the what? highest scores. But is it for, for, for what purpose? Well, you don't know. Financial gain? Social uh, no, status? Status? Jack Parsons. Uh, was he? Jet a- Propulsion Laboratory, Aleister Crowley, Devil Worship. Exactly. Aleister okay, Crowley, so wait a minute. So you're saying Aleister Jack Crowley over a hundred years ago. Listen to this. Goes to How the crazy is this? And the aliens give the plan. The, 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 the founder <laughs> of JPL, <laughs> Jack Parsons. Have you heard this before? No, I just can't believe I, I didn't want to have Alex on the podcast. No, but did have you ever heard that? Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me say no, this. No. I'm not trying to take over, but it's, uh, two years ago, but I'm not bullshitting you. Okay, I'm telling you this. The, the, the stuff. I don't believe in this. Okay, there it is, I'm right not, there. This was patented in 1957. It's a VR machine. Exactly. No, exactly. That's crazy. So I've talked to people, not just family. Holy shit. Gives you wind, vibration, aroma, stereo sound, color, motion, wide vision, and 3D, three-dimensional. But let me tell you, they wore 
a mask in the 60s and 70s that was already like you see like paper thin TV screens. Mm-hmm. And it was already, I talked to them, they said there's no way this was human technology. So you've seen these foldable phones? Yeah. Yeah, I think the aliens have already taken over Samsung and Huawei. Yeah, so they're shit. dialed in. They, so, so so? Is, do you think the aliens are taking over Samsung? Do they have any something to do with Samsung? Well, obviously, that's what I'm telling you is the the Pentagon isn't worried about what astronauts. What is all this, Jamie? This is the patent. Wow. And notice that's the way you said the 60s? Uh, I believe 1957. So, so notice that's exactly what your that's what my dad told me. That's he, what our HTC yeah, Vive looks like that we have like in the front. Today, today. So, so you know, this is big. My dad didn't tell me this. Until he saw Endgame, and he said, no, son, we had virtual reality goggles, and we had CD-ROM, and we had things, and then something else happened, and I, I'm not at liberty to get into it, but I was shown three years ago what the University of Washington was doing under Bill Gates, and this is in the 90s. What were they doing? What do you do? They, they, they don't even know what they're being given. It's intravenous. So you think it's some sort of alien intervention type shit? Dude, they they... They to get even deeper, they turn your heart off for five minutes and they pump oxygen into your blood. And you're in the meetings. I've talked to people that are involved, I mean top scientists. And you're in the meetings with freaking aliens. Elves is the main group. But they're like So by shutting your heart off, it makes you have that psychedelic experience by keeping blood in your oxygen, it keeps you alive? Well, well, well let's explain. Okay. The heart goes out, the right. body thinks it's dead. Right. So you can stay in longer. I don't right. know all the science behind it. I understand. But let's explain this. Lucky when you've I taken DMT or ayahuasca 200 times, like most are astronauts and test pilots aren't flying planes. Those are robots now. It's all mind war. So these dudes are like, it stops working once you've taken it hundreds of times. So then they start taking their most psychic people who are able to do this, and they turn their heart off. Hmm. And then they put them into these, these events, and, and it's like the things the aliens tell them, they come out and they tell scientists, and it works. So Like what kind of shit? They didn't tell, let me tell you, you get killed for this stuff, Joe. This is not, why do you think they want me off the air? Because when I finally figured this out, because I never touched aliens, I kind of knew the whole thing already. Here's what I'm telling you about. When I was a kid, eight, nine, whatever it was, this one, this lady would come over that had known known my parents since UT and was involved. And she'd talk about, yeah, we call it the Psychedelic Research Institute or whatever the name was, but it's really a CIA deal. And, you know, we just can't find people that can handle it. They're going in. The elves want this. And the elves want us to basically reduce population and agree to these certain plans. And, and, and it's all of dehumanization. And they call them the elves. It's the clockwork elves. And, and they're like, yeah. And, and, my, and, and I'm listening to my parents. You're like seven, eight years old. Like, they don't think you're listening, talking about, well, this is what the elves want. And this is what they're going to do. And the thing is, it's not my parents aren't that special. You go out to San Francisco. It's all there is, dude. It's a cult, man. You all these guys you know from San Francisco, dude. You look at look at the head of Google or YouTube or freaking Apple. He's on TV. Tim Cook and his eyes are this big under lights, man. These guys are on stuff that like nobody even knows. What do you think they're on? Stuff they've been given. Uh, hello, caller. Can you hear me? Yeah. Sweet, it works. Hello? All right, Google Voice is not totally broken yet. Great. So, do you live in a deep underground military base? Or a dumb, uh, a dumb... No, I live in, in a sewer in, in Brooklyn, New York. South Brooklyn, to be exact, if you want to come look for me. Underground. I'm underground. It's not a military <laughs> bunker. It's just a, just a sewer. Wait, the, we, we were just... We were just yeah. Does the Go sewer ahead. have a sewer? Like, if someone's in the sewer... 
and use a toilet, does it go to the, the sewer for the sewer? Um, yeah, uh, yeah it all goes down the same pipe. There's The sewer is the sewer. You don't need to have a sewer in the sewer. The sewer is the sewer. I guess I'm, I'm not, asking um, if you have a toilet in the sewer. It, the sewer is the toilet. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm confused. You know what's funny I, is when somebody pronounces toilet turlet. That's pretty funny. Turlet. 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 Gotta go to the turlet. Uh, <laughs> callers, are you two? There's, I'm guessing there's two people here, unless you're a double headed creature. Are you lovers? Uh, you might say that. Yeah. Get a couple drinks in me. Ooh. Uh, get a couple drinks in me. You can be in me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay. What are we drinking tonight, fellas? It sounds like we're gonna have a fun time. I'm sipping on uh, a on a Bud Light Fuego Clamada Nyquil yeah, got, straight. Um, ooh, Nyquil. Nyquil is a, a godsend. Sometimes let me tell you that. Ooh, sometimes I just want to go to sleep. Uh, do Do you two ever have a lover's spat? Uh, if my Splat. saliva if my saliva glands are are uh, working full full function, yeah. Sometimes you gotta spit on it. I'm not in the spitting usually, but you know if the mood's right. Now, now, are are uh, who is the top and who is the bottom, or do you or do you switch off? Roll of the die, d twenty. Yeah, closest to twenty. I'm more of a side. side. I usually just we just side side to side, so nobody has to be on top or bottom. It's it's a lot less energy use that way. Yeah, I think that's really. Um, I think when people say "Are you a top or a bottom?" I think that's like not racist, but it's it's derogatory. Not everybody's a top, not everybody's a bottom. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, it's 2023, right? You can't be. It is. So oh, yeah, far. it is. <laughs> do you, do you, do you want to hear some, uh, some sexual trends that are coming up in 2023? Do I? Smack it to me. Rub it up, flip it. Have you ever heard of outer course? Uh, hit, hit us with the outer course. Well, Use I'm it gonna, in a sentence. I'm going to read this. Uh, since 40% to 60% of women masturbate and only 18% of women can orgasm from penetrative sex, it is no wonder we're seeing a surge of non-penetrative practices. So outer course is just no penetration. You used to call that dry so, humping. I guess a, a sexual trend for 2023 is not having sex. <laughs> what will they come up with next? But then again, I don't really have to, I don't have to penetrate to, to climax either like i could i'm down with just rubbing too it's the same thing all right what's another trend? what's another trend because i don't uh, like this one this one i'm not gonna try no you're not gonna like any of these this is from glamour.com the second one is oh, sexual no. mindfulness sexual uh, blindfolding <laughs> sexual blind that would be a good one for 2020 put this on baby don't look it's only gonna be dark for you uh, mindfulness the mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment this is this is dumb. Who reads Glamour.com? It's pronounced, <laughs> so, it's pronounced Glamour. So it's the trend. The, the, let me make sure I'm getting this straight. The trend is to like be there mentally while doing it. Our mindset plays a big part in our sexual experiences. So getting our minds and thoughts on our side could really help us to tune in on our desire, arousal, and pleasure. A man wrote this, I'm sure. Maybe maybe that's what I'm doing wrong. Maybe it's like because I'm thinking about what am I going to do to work tomorrow. Um, so <laughs> thinking about if LeBron's going to win me the money on that bet, <laughs> right? What's Bitcoin price doing right now? <laughs> See, your mind is in the wrong spot. You got to start thinking about other stuff. Says 
a lady on the internet, probably. Um, <laughs> there's also this one's. I don't like this one at all. This one is just an advertisement. I think it's called mutual masturbation. What's the point? I mean, like um, is that when is you like, just make eye contact simple. and like look at somebody while you're both jerking you off, lay next to each other. Bus, but uh, usually <laughs> that's just for one for two. That's see, I see there's a challenge. Right Who can one, get done first? I keep seeing people tweet about my mutuals, and I didn't understand what that meant until now. Well, now you know. About a, mutual sure, a lot of that goes uh, on so in Omaha. It's got uh, an advertisement for, for vibrators run under it. Mind oh. you, no pocketbooks, just vibrators. That's cheating, I think. I thought, like, masturbation, you can't use, like, toys, tools, accessories, or um, or help. Otherwise, it's not mas- it's not true masturbation. That's self-flagulation, I think. It's not masturbation. What is flagulation? I think it's like coagulation. Flogging or beating, either as a religious discipline or for sexual gratification. Yeah, okay. So I guess that's not masturbation. That's flagulation. Mutual flagulations. I've got a quick question, Nick the Rat. Sure. The background of your Twitch stream right now. Yeah. Is that a beating heart? That is a beating heart. Is this a video of a beating heart that you ripped out of a human sacrifice's chest? Kalima. I should probably move the location because that doesn't really look like a heart valve. It kind of looks like a... No, well, none of this it does not. Good. It looks like a badly animated um, CG kid singing. Not kid, but, you know, like a Muppet type character going, ha! I'm going to turn, turn that off. <laughs> it's really disturbing. Probably losing viewers. No, it just looks minute. like a uh, red, red bell pepper being like just dancing. You have a wild imagination. <laughs> yes, caller. You do have a wild imagination. I think it looks okay, like a what, red Okay, where are some more trends? We got more trends? Um, Something called a, a pelvic floor. I don't know how this is a trend. Many women don't consider the pelvic floor or understand exactly what it does. I don't know. Until childbirth. Ew. Uh, what does childbirth and sex have to do with each other? Uh, practice Nothing. both relaxing and tensing your pelvic floor. Do men have pelvic floors? Sure, why not? Uh, I, ha- I haven't claimed enough victims yet to make a floor entirely out of pelvises. <laughs> getting there. You're getting there. Work in Specifically progress. during sex, the movement of the pelvis in combination with tensing and relaxing of the pelvic floor can increase arousal. And Oh, this is, I know what this is. This is the Kegels, right? This is the Kegels? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Like, like the, little, the little Muppet characters, Kegel Rock? Oh, Kegel Rock. Down a Kegel Rock. Yeah, down a Kegel Rock. Yeah. I've heard about I learned, about, like, I learned about Kegels from app. Cardi B. Apparently there's an app called Squeezy. It helps you build your pelvic floor. <laughs> you stick the phone in your pussy? What is... <laughs> oh, boy. And Glamour, you should shut down. The next one's anal masturbation. And then there's butt plugs. An ad for butt plugs. Anal masturbation. Wait, wait, this might be good. Upgraded missionary. <laughs> missionary plus plus. plus, plus. Uh, <laughs> take missionary 2023. There are opportunities to be more mindful while in the position, making intentional eye contact with your partner. Ew. Uh, focusing oh. on all the erogenous zones and synchronized breathing together. Any eye contact I make in the bedroom is purely coincidental and accidental. The only eye contact I'm making is with the brown eye. <laughs> Like like Andrew Dice Clay said, face down, ass up. That's the way we like to fuck. That was Andrew Dice Clay who said that? I think he said it about 700 times in a row before multiple shows. Again. 
I thought that was like a, a song or something by like um Sir Mix a lot or something. Might have been Sir Mix a lot, yeah, 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 something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, Glamour Taylor magazine Swift. is garbage. This is not a very. We're gonna find a better list of twenty twenty three kinks. This is not good. Uh, uh, do, do you two have uh, a favorite sexual kink that uh, that's not very popular that you think is gonna be big this year? Oh man, hmm. um, I like. I definitely like bringing fruits and vegetables into the mix, but not like the Greek and Romans did with the grapes and the wine and the grapes, or just like oddball stuff like kiwis, uh, avocados, a bag of crushed ice. Yeah. Um, a bag Lots of, of stuff you can do with Yo, that. Y'all gonna score can... me a bag of Doritos? Yeah, Doritos. Lots of food. Yeah, involve lots of food. So food. Yeah. I, don't, uh, I just had um. I just had food poisoning. I don't think that food and sex really should go together very much. It's um messy. You can get it all over your sheets. Yeah, that's the point. Well, I mean, I've had alcohol later. poisoning, but you don't see me fucking sober now, do you? I've never met sober. I mean, by that I mean fucking well sober. <laughs> Oh boy! Perhaps, <laughs> man. I just tried to Bing something because I thought it was gonna be some new cool Bing thing with like fucking Chat GPT mixed in, but it's just a search engine. The same thing. This is dumb. This is very. This is big letdown. I thought wait, was that is that. <clears throat> Hello, are you still there? <clears throat> yeah. Sorry, I was. Oh, man, I, got, I, I got distracted thinking about avocados and kiwis. Why can't I mix these calls together? It's man. There used to be like a phone, like a phone party line on uh, Google Voice. Now there's not. Hold on, I gotta go back to Spearfish, guys. You guys were great. Have a happy Valentine's Day, and don't butt fuck too hard. Bye.